Hello, and welcome to the Rekinning Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.26. Uh, this episode, we're looking into joy. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the founder of Rekinning Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I help out with a lot of these podcasts, and am finishing up my degree in youth ministry. All right, so before we get into the joy study itself... Let's recap the previous episode, which was peace, which lays a really good foundation for joy um, to to come about. So go ahead and, and recap peace for us. Yeah. So with peace, we talked about three different components of peace. And so there's the external component of peace, which is uh, just the environment around you. Um, and that's typically what we think of when we think of peace. Yeah, so the environment or the circumstances, there's an absence of any violence or trauma, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then there's also internal peace. And so that's, um, as it sounds, just you and your thoughts and feelings, just where you're at emotionally and those sorts of things. And so an absence of any uh, fear or anger or irritation or angst. Mm -hmm. And then there's also relational peace, which we spent a lot of time talking about. And this is really the starting point when of what you need to be working towards when you want internal peace or external peace. And first and foremost, we said that it... And what, real quick, and so the, the relational peace is an absence of any kind of like distrust or mm-hmm. animosity between two individuals or two people. Right? Yeah. And so first and foremost, we want relational peace with God. And so once we have that, um, then we can move towards relational peace with others. And then the rest of those really fall into line. And so we talked about the emphasis of just how powerful peace really is, but it's also really difficult to actually obtain it and maintain it. And we talked about different ways that you can get it and just what the results of it is and what the benefits are of searching out and desiring peace. And it's interesting because I think a lot of times we think let's let's create external peace first. And so once our situation or environment or circumstances are all good, and there's no problems going on. That's what will give us the internal mm-hmm. peace. And now that we have that internal peace, we can then have relational peace with others. Mm-hmm. And so you just pointed out scripturally, no, and this is a pattern we see in a lot of these a lot of these topics, uh, is that once you have that relational peace with God, that's what gives you that internal peace. Yeah. We talked about how he is always at that shalom, 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 mm-hmm. that he is always at that utter internal peace because he has the triune God has the relational peace with themselves. Uh, and so he's good. And so when you realize that, it'll calm you down, allow you to be kind of good with him. And so then now that you have that internal peace, then you can have relational peace with others. Mm-hmm. It makes it easier. And then as they come along and they also have relational peace with you, that's what actually will create the uh, the external peace, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. Uh, and again, it seems, and we'll get more into this later, but it does seem that if you want to get joy, which we're going to discuss today, it helps to have peace first yeah. right, as the first tool. All right, so with that... Uh, now we can get into the actual joy study. Mm-hmm. So like we did with peace, we started with uh, Isaiah 26.3. One of my favorite verses for joy is Malachi 4.2. And it says, For those of you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you should go out and leap like a calf released from the stall. Mm-hmm. And it creates this really cool visual. So imagine like, uh, of course, a ghost when I'm gone, just sits on the couch all day. But if some dogs are crated, when you get home and then they get all excited when they run around or that calf release from a stall, it's this bounding joy, right? Mm -hmm. It's this bounding picture. So it makes a really cool visual. Now, side note on that, 
the word joy or any of the related family of words doesn't show up in that verse. So like when we did mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, cert, the research and we're putting list all, all the verses, Malachi 4.2 doesn't get listed uh, because none of the family of words show up in that verse. And that's fairly rare, but it is something to pay attention to. Now, I happen to already know that verse because it's one of my favorites, and so we're still able to include it in the list. Mm-hmm. But know that when you're doing uh, word searches in Scripture, whether you're using eSword or Bible Gateway or Logos or whatever, um, now, like, Logos allows you to search, like... Uh, a little you know, broader, a little, yeah, a little but... B- before yeah. and after verses. Mm-hmm. But if it's a more narrow-by-verse search... Um, sometimes there'll be a verse on a topic, but because of the con- you know the context, you know what the topic is. But the, the that that the specific word. concept, yeah. the word doesn't show up in the verse itself. You're gonna miss that. So you just want, you just want to be be aware of that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, to me that that's just a great a, a great visual of um, of what what joy is supposed to be about. So getting into the study, um, you know, the first thing we do is we put together those family of words. So I had looked up uh, joy and, and that whole group. So joy, joyful, and joyfully enjoy, enjoys enjoyment, rejoice, rejoices, rejoicing, all those. Uh, pleasure, being pleased or, or uh, something that is pleasing or pleases. Glad, gladness, gladly. Delight, delighted, delighting, delightful. Uh, to celebrate, celebrated, that, that, those variations. To exult or exultation. Laugh or laughter. Uh, happy, happier happiness. Cheer, cheerful, cheerfulness. Merry, gaiety, and mirth. These are the whole family. So when all said and done, there was 1,044 mentions of all those. 810 in the Old Testament and then 234 uh, in the New Testament. It, it breaks down to about... Um, one one mention every one and a half pages for both old and new, approximately. Uh, a little interesting side note here on this one, though. Um, the concept that that thousand and forty four mentions does show up. That we 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 found every all sixty six books have at least one verse on this topic, hmm. and we hadn't actually seen that in any of the other studies that we've done. So, for example, cool. whether you're studying peace or or grace or whatever, you may find that the the book of uh, Habakkuk didn't touch on it. Um, maybe one of the, maybe Jude didn't touch on it. Right? Uh, we actually found some joy, happy, glad reference, at least one in, hmm. in all sixty six books. That's really cool. So that was just yeah, that was just a cool little, a little trivia with that. So those were the words that that we looked up, um, uh, the family words. So then we we put together all of the Hebrew and. Greek, and so we're going to just go through this, uh, and like we said, we always clarify this with we're guessing what the pronunciations are because we're not we're not experts in this area, but um, there's a whole bunch here, and so we're just going to kind of rapid fire through it all. So one of the Hebrew words is tob or toba, and it means pleasing or good, to be pleasant, delightful, joyful, or merry. By the way, that tob goes with the good study, so it's a word that can be both good and like pleasing here in the joy concept. Okay. Uh, we also looked up samak and some different forms of that word, which means to rejoice, be glad, joyful, or merry. Uh, kefits, to delight, desire, long for, have pleasure in, or be pleased with. Yatab is to be good, well, glad, pleasing, or joyful. Ratsa and ratsan, to be pleased with, accept, uh, accept favorably, to enjoy or delight in, to have goodwill, favor, or acceptance. Rina or ranan. Is a ringing cry, a joyful shout, and proclamation of praise or joyful singing? Ruah and Teruah is to raise a jubilant shout of triumph, to give a blast or war cry or alarm. Gil is to spin around, to rejoice, exult, 
or be glad greatly. Sakuk uh, to laugh, amuse, celebrate, or mock uh, merrymakers. Sus is to exalt, rejoice, display joy, delight, bright, or cheerful. Sasson is an exaltation, rejoicing, gladness, gaiety, cheerfulness. Ta'av is a desire, delight, or longing. Masos, to rejoice, exult, delight in exceedingly, gladness. Alaz is to exalt, become jubilant, jump for joy, or triumph. Uh, Chagag, to make a pilgrimage, to keep a festival, to dance in a circle, or celebrate. Tesak or Tesak is to laugh, entertain, jest, make sport of, laughter, uh, pleasure or derision. S- uh, Sekok is laughter or derision or enjoyment. Anag, Aneg, or Tanag is equ- exquisite, delicate, dainty, luxury, or to take delight in. Uh, Kamad, to take desire, delight, or pleasure in, possibly to covet. Alitsuth, or alas, is exaltation, to rejoice, or to flap joyously. Uh, Naem, Naman, to be delightful, pleasant, lovely, agreeable. Sha'ashyam is a delight, enjoyment, or pleasure. Uh, Asher, Esher, Osher, all mean, um, it's from the root meaning to go straight or to advance, and they all have the idea of being happy or blessed. Chara. Uh, Chadva or Chada is to rejoice, make glad, or joy. Shah is to take delight in. Salad is to spring or rejoice. Looks like salad. It does look like salad. Uh, um, Kush <laughs> is to have enjoyment. Uh, Makmal is a thing to be pitied, have compassion for, or delight in. And then Ra'atob or Toba, kind uh, of come a full circle, to see something pleasant, good, or beneficial in. So those are the, uh, the Hebrew words, and when we first went through the study, we looked, and one of the things is uh, how really it's a, it's a feeling of joy, delight, pleasure, potentially desire, happiness, mirth, and it's a strong one, mm-hmm. right? There were a number of, of like adjectives in here saying this was a, an exceeding joy or it's a strong whatever. Yeah. So it was interesting. It was, it was really emphasizing these strong feelings of, of this joy and happiness. Uh, and then a second thing we saw was, and then a display of that. So we saw that it was both the kind of the feeling inside and then that resulted in some display mm-hmm some exultation and triumph or some yeah. war cry or dance, etc. So those are just some, some cool mm-hmm. pictures that we were seeing just right from the get-go with the, uh, with the Hebrew words. Um, so then looking at the, the Greek words, you have Cairo and Kara to rejoice or be glad, to have joy or delight. You have uh, Mekaris, which is blessed, fortunate, or well-off, and it's sometimes translated happy. Uh, Eudokeo, to think well of, be, be well pleased or take pleasure in. Agalesius or Agaleo is exaltation, exuberant joy, gladness, to rejoice greatly. Euphreno or Euphrosune, to cheer, make merry, celebrate, rejoice, or gladness. Sucherio or Pseudomai is to rejoice with or rejoice together. Uh, and Pimplami, to fill up, enjoy, or satisfy. Hedios is sweetly or gladly. Euthymeo, to be of good cheer. Uh, Galeo, or Galeos, is to laugh or laughter. Apolasis, to take enjoyment in. Hilaros, is cheerful. I wonder if that's where we get hilarious. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. And then Osmenos, is gladly. 
So short, shorter list, which mm-hmm. is usually true um, for these studies. So some of the Greek the observations we made or, or saw our patterns we saw in the Greek here, it's to be well-pleased or filled with good cheer, potentially because you're, you're uh, well-off, whatever that may mean, mm-hmm. um, and then to exult and rejoice greatly. So again, we saw the same kind of two patterns as far as these feelings of this joy and happiness uh, and then an expression of them. Yeah. So then moving on, we go to the um, dictionary definitions using the Webster and Farlex. And so here we have joy is a feeling of great and intense happiness and emotion evoked by our well-being or good fortune. To enjoy something is to take enthusiastic pleasure in, a keen, strong, excited, or energized satisfaction. Pleasure or pleased is a feeling of happiness, joy, or satisfaction. Satisfied is to gratify to the full in desire or need or to make happy. Happy or gladness is feeling pleasure, enjoyment, or satisfaction, uh, enthusiastically content, cheerful, full of brightfulness. Cheerful is being in good spirits, merry, which can mean full of liveliness, good feelings, or festive. Delighted is very happy, full of great joy, a high degree of satisfaction, highly pleased. To be glad is to be experiencing joy, pleasure, or delight. So you can see all those words kind of, it's a circular definition. You know, joy means to be happy, happy means to be uh, merry, merry means to be joyful, you know, et cetera. Mm Um, and so those are all the feelings. Then you have the expression. So to rejoice is to express great joy, to show that you are very happy about something. To exalt is to say something in a very excited or happy way, to be jubilant or triumphant. To celebrate is to do something special for or praise someone or some occasion or to engage in festivities. Mirth is gladness or gaiety with laughter. Gaiety is uh, uh, having a happy, lively quality or high spirits. And glee is exalted, high-spirited joy. So as we were going through that, when we were doing the prep work for this way back when we first did this, I realized there was, so we see this um, joy, happiness, being pleased, et cetera. Then you start seeing also some satisfaction Hmm. language. And I thought about contentment, and I realized that satisfaction and contentment are a little bit different than joy i kind of saw them as like in between peace and joy yeah um and so i wanted to do a little research i'm like ooh, maybe i should explore contentment even before i you know i, I do the uh, the joy study um and so we did like a super hyper quick mm-hmm. um one of that and so i wanted to touch on it because it seems like like where peace can lay the groundwork for joy uh, we also find that like contentment or satisfaction also seems to be like a requisite yeah uh, for joy so I looked up um, content, contentment, enough, sufficient, satisfied, satisfaction, etc. It was about 182 mentions, so it was a, definitely one of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. That's why we didn't do a full a full rendering. Uh, the meaning, based on the biblical language and, and with Merriam-Webster, there's the idea of being satisfied, uh, which is like to pay a debt completely or meet a need. Sufficient or enough, you add uh, much as needed. Fulfilled or fulfilled to do what is necessary. Sated is to satisfy fully or completely. Complete to have wholly, fully furnished. That kind of goes with the perfect uh, we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then there was this thing in the in, that I saw when I was doing the study of exceedingly abundant, plenteous, or wealth. And that was a little weird for me. I didn't. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that because to me, like, to be satisfied, the idea is you got just enough. Hmm. 
but there were there were a number of verses that seem to say it wasn't ju- it wasn't just enough it was exceedingly enough and so that kind of got me off guard and, I, and I'll, I'll elaborate on that in a minute and those verses were in the context of god supplying needs right right yeah yeah and so some observations from the from the biblical text there the soul is satisfied with god's love favor goodness righteousness of course we've done unpackings on on most of those mm-hmm. the body can be satisfied with food clothing shelter right that's a common thing that we hear um, man can be satisfied by his words that could be in a not a not a good thing you know as far as like yeah. you just you, you like hear the sound of your own voice yeah. yeah or it could be um a good thing in like encouragement uh, affirmation yeah right things like that but anyway so so i did a a quick summary definition of biblical contentment is to have a need which is a condition requiring supply or relief exceedingly replenished and to think well of and be pleased with that in gratitude and so and that that second part is what segues into joy but going back to the first part there to have a need which is a condition requiring supply or relief exceedingly replenished those become two key words hmm. i really liked replenished instead of met because i realized it's cyclical yeah so you know you're hungry you eat food and then you're satisfied for a while, and then you get hungry again. So your resources get depleted and then filled up again, then depleted, then refilled, etc. So that idea of, of, uh, of um, contentment is having that need replenished mm-hmm. again and again and again. It's not about a one-time thing. It's about a cyclical thing. It's just the nature of, of the world that we're in, yeah. uh, of life. And then the, and the second part of that is exceedingly replenished. And so again, I'm like, wow, do I believe that? And that was when I was like, well, I didn't want to believe it, but there was enough references in the text that I'm like, I probably need to pay attention to this. So I started realizing maybe some of the things that I think are a need are more just a want or a desire. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go back to like our core needs. And so I had made a list, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we want to get in the joy, but I wanted to lay the groundwork down for this mm-hmm. to go in. One thing that... that what do we need for like healthy living? One thing is God. Yeah. Does God abundantly supply himself? Well, yeah, because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, he's always there in all his fullness. Even if we can't perceive him in all of our senses, he's definitely there in that supernatural way, like abundantly so. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. Um, and then like in our environment, you need air and gravity. We have an abundant supply of air and gravity. Yes, air can be polluted and all that, but air is everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then uh, the physiology of just a working body. Does it need to be in perfect, pristine condition? No. The body can be beat up pretty majorly and still get by, right? The organs are still, you know, the the lungs are still working, the stomach's still processing the food, et cetera. Or if you have an organ that does start to break down, there's surgery, medicine, you know, et cetera. So there's some exceptions to the rule on Mm -hmm. that. But overall, at least I'm looking at my life, I have a body that works. Um, A body that gets done what needs to get done, even if there's a broken leg or or you lose a lung or you lose a kidney, the body still works, right? That self-healing nature, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have food, clothing, and shelter. And it seems that, you know, for around the world, we see people living in, in mud huts or homeless um, you know, we see people have just one or two outfits that they own. Um, there's, there's famines, you know, there's all these examples of this at the same time we do see, especially of course in our society, mm-hmm. I can't complain at all. 
Um, yeah. I've got plenty of food, plenty of clothing, plenty of shelter, as abundantly so. In other parts of the world, it may not be, that may not be abundant. Um, or it may be, it's still maybe more than we need. And it's interesting because I just know a lot of people that have done like missions work and different things. And people that do live in those cultures tend to be a lot more appreciative of what they do have. And so we tend to look over and say, oh man, you have only this amount of whatever it is. Isn't that awful? And they're like, no, I'm so glad that I have like this one pair of shoes. Like it's just amazing how their contentment, they've recognized um, just to a different level what their needs really are and they're just content in what they have been given. And I don't want to uh, blow off or not acknowledge that there are examples of like a malnourishment, you know, people starving. Mm-hmm. That is there. Um, and I don't want to blow that off. I'm just kind of looking overall with everything. Um, and then we also need community. Well, we've got seven and a half billion people on this planet. Whether we're loving of them or they're loving of us, whether we spend time with them or not, that's a whole other story, but there's people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it feels like man also needs significance or purpose. And I feel like God provides that abundantly with like know thyself. Everybody's got a calling. They can just kind of figure out what it is. So as I was looking through all those core ones, and again, looking at myself in particular, I was like, man, these are being exceedingly replenished. It was humbling. Hmm. Uh, I remember the first time I went through it, I was getting kind of choked up. I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry for you know questioning your exceeding replenishment. And again, there's exceptions to the rule on that. Um, but overall, again, in my life, it has been true. Yeah. And I, w- I want to be thankful for that. And something that I've heard before, and I don't remember where, is the saying that expectation is the root of all heartache. And so a lot of times we tend to have expectations for our needs being met that are much higher than what we actually do need. And so um, like for our shelter, we might want a two bedroom apartment instead of a one bedroom apartment and all of the, like we just tend to, and I mean, I know equate I, once and needs. Yeah. And, yeah. and so we say, no, I need this in order to be happy when actually we don't. Yeah, you're right. And so that really is part of where this gets bridged into joyfulness. If we're not being content and recognizing where our need level actually is as compared to where we might want it to be, then it's going to be really difficult for us to actually have joy because we're too busy focused on what we don't have instead of what we do have. And and most everyone who's listening to this is first world. So, you know, we kind of joke about first world problems. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's exceptions to some of these things that people aren't, aren't God is not replenish, exceedingly replenishing their needs, at least not in from that our perspective. Yeah. In that moment, that's the key thing there. So I want to encourage all of us, start with you first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and look and see how God is exceedingly replenishing your needs. He may not be exceedingly replenishing your wants, but he's exceedingly replenishing your needs. And, and just what you were saying, be moved by that, be thankful mm-hmm. for that, let that change your perspective, uh, and then you can turn and look at other examples. And so, like, for example, in Yemen right now, there's a, a famine is, is about to occur. Now, what's interesting is they've got tons of food and supplies in the ships in the harbor, hmm. um, but because of the violence and all the politics going on, they can't get it to the people. So the supplies are there. It's not like the world's not chipping in. The world is chipping in. It's just with logistics and politics and everything else, it's you know, they're not getting where they need. Uh, but anyways, if you can be moved and overwhelmed by how your life is being, your needs are being exceedingly replenished, yeah. um, and that thankfulness and contentment kick in, that can help towards that cheerful giving and mm-hmm. stewardship towards others. 
Yeah, and I think um, maybe this would be helpful for people that don't think that their needs are being uh, replenishedly met. Just the idea that our first and primary need, which you put it first in this list, but our primary need is to have a relationship with God. And really, if we are pursuing that, then EIE comes in here, the eternal, internal, external lens. If we're focused on the eternal things of God and we recognize that we have that relationship with him, it's a whole lot easier to be content, even if some of the other needs aren't being met. And we're not saying that's the only one. For example, as long as you have God, you can starve, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it's spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, uh, sitting with God can bring a, a proper respect of a strength, mm-hmm. et cetera, to then handle whatever the next round is there. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So that's that's just kind of a quick quick little note on contentment uh, as we head into the to the joy study. So so we we walked you through all, all the wording and the de- and some of the uh, core definitions, etc. So then we went through the 1,004 verses and found a bunch of stuff, and so we compiled all, and we're going to present it to you now. Mm-hmm. This, the results of this has been something that I've memorized. I try to memorize all, all, you know, we've done 30 or whatever. I try to memorize the results of all of them because I want to practically apply them to my life. I don't just want to do a cool class that's really interesting, maybe do a podcast recording on it, and then forget it. Um, I have found in all of these studies... Um, each one has been helpful in some way to me, mm-hmm. some to greater degrees, some to lesser degrees, but they've all contributed something to me. They've all helped me get a better insight of who God is or what I should be doing, what life is about, uh, a better lens for reading scripture, right? And those weird, some weird passages. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, but some of them have been very, very helpful and, and joy has been one of the ones that was, has been most helpful to me. It's one that I've, that I've memorized the results of, and so when I'm going through my prayer time or going through a tough time, I'm, I'm recycling through what I learned, which we're going to reveal here in a minute. Um, it's been very, very helpful for me, and so I hope that, that this is beneficial for you as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot to say. So, so with that, we, we went through everything. We came up with this summary definition of joy. Joy is a merry contentment moving to a high-spirited exhilaration, leading to expressions of bounding celebration. There's kind of three, three phases there. Mm-hmm. So there's that, there's that merry contentment. So it's the contentment we just talked about, but it's not just a contentment, it's a merry contentment. You're just like, yeah, like I'm good, right? Um, and, then, and that merry contentment will then move to this high-spirited exhilaration. And so this goes to all of that strong language, this exceeding joy mm-hmm. and things like that. So like, like, for example, you'll hear sometimes in Christianese, somebody kind of quietly, almost passively say, well, you know, I, I just have joy. Well, what we realized from the study was that, no, you have something different. You have probably have peace, mm-hmm. and that's a great thing. It's really good that you have peace. But it seems that if you have joy, I mean, I got joy. Yeah. Right now, so so I, I want to emphasize that that this 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 middle thing that merry contentment is first, that the actual joy is this exhilarated, intense, strong, happy emotion mm-hmm. um, that then results in that bounding celebration that that third phase, and so I remember in the study somebody had brought up. You know, those of us that are more passionate, 
uh, and wear our emotions on the sleeve when we're in a really good mood, then we do maybe dance around or get this big beaming face. Where those that have a quieter personality, there was some in the study, and they were like, well, wait a minute, are we supposed to start dancing all around and being bouncing around like you guys? You, yeah. yeah, being extroverted when we're introverted. I was like, oh, that's a great point. No. Hmm. It seems that according to your personality, how you express it will vary. But it seems the emotion itself, and, and even the emotion itself is probably experienced in different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's this this intense, high-spirited, exhilarating feeling that you're going to experience in different ways and reveal in different ways or express in different ways. So we, we wanted to, to acknowledge those different types because we, we don't want to put expectations on how somebody's supposed to you know express that joy yeah uh, but anyways so so you have this it's a merry contentment moving to a high-spirited exhilaration leading to expressions of of bounding celebration that comes from simply choosing to think thankfully on a plethora of good and noble things so we also said another way to say this is joy takes place in the mind heart and body you so cognitively reap emotion emotionally and celebrate actively. That was another cool thing that I really liked. <laughs> and so <clears throat> this gets into kind of practical. How do you get joy? You you get joy in the mind first by sowing cognitively. What does that mean? You start paying attention to recognizing, thinking on the, those things that bring about joy then that'll move into the heart and you'll start experiencing that high-spirited exhilaration because of those things. And then that will lead to the rest of the body where you can actively express it according to your, you know, your personality type. Um, so it's, it's cool there. Now, a couple points that I want to emphasize uh, with this that I think people sometimes um, get, have mistakes about when it comes to joy. So one of them is... I'm I, I'm guessing you've heard the phrase. There's a difference between joy and happiness. I have, yeah. And so people will talk about how happiness can come from fleeting things of the world, and joy comes from deep spiritual things, mm-hmm. right? And I've heard that a number of times. Never questioned it. Found out that the Bible does not make that distinction. Hmm. That the Bible uses happy and joy interchangeably. And I get pushback on this sometimes because people because people like it, right? It's a cool concept. Yeah, it's helpful. It's helpful. Mm-hmm. I, I want you know you, you should you, we should be pursuing joy, not happiness, uh, or joy more than happiness. And and so all of a sudden you get challenged to find that the scriptures. It's not that the scriptures like disagrees with that or is the opposite of that. It just doesn't make that distinction. Distinction. Um, and so one of the phrases that we always say in our studies is we want to let the, let the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint, and we want to apply the details of the Bible to the details of our life. And so I, I want to encourage people to, to maybe move away from that phrase. Again, not that it's wrong or unhelpful or anything like that, but if you want to try to align as accurately as you can with Scripture, you want to understand that, that the Bible, in God's paradigm, His economy, uh, he just sees joy and happiness interchangeable. And we're actually going to see, we're going to get to these things, we're going to call these six baskets. There's six baskets or sources of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's spiritual things in there, and then there's also like physical fleeting things in there. And so the Bible may say, yeah, if you're walking intimately with God, your joy slash happiness is probably going to be deeper uh, and last longer than the joy or happiness that comes with drinking a glass of wine or a beer. Sure. Um, and so it would it would make that distinction, but it wouldn't label one joy the other happiness. 
it would just it just says, hey, so there's this emotion. Yeah. This this strong this emotion. Merry emotion. Yeah, this merry emotion of joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of different ways, there's a number of different things that will cause you to experience that merry emotion of joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. And all those things that are different sources of it, yeah, there's a bunch of different degrees, and some are gonna be better to pursue than others. Like for example, we learned in the sin study that one of the one of the results of sin is pleasure, yeah. which is why why we do it. So in some sense, I think there's even scripture that would would basically say this or align with this. You can actually be happy when you sin. You can actually take joy when you sin because again, the Bible is just using that term as this merry emotion, as you said. I, I like that. Um, that's how the Bible's referring it. And so, but because we've, we've separated our minds, well, you can never take joy in sin, but you, you can, you can delight in sin. Should you delight in sin? Should you feel happy when you sin? Should you, should you enjoy sinning? No. Will you? Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's why Uh, we do it. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, so I wanted to emphasize it was, it was interesting in the study that we saw that the Bible just says, hey, here's this emotion. Bad things can also cause this emotion. You don't want those bad things to cause this emotion. You want the good things to cause the emotion, but there it is. Yeah, and I think that people that hold to the happy, joyful distinction actually will find themselves agreeing with a lot of what we're saying here. Um, Because a lot of times I hear it described as, well, joy, you just have all the time. It's just kind of this constant underlying emotion that we're supposed to have. The joy of the Lord is our strength, so we want to have that. But then happy, like things that make us happy, just kind of contribute towards that being more like realistic, I guess, or that sort of idea. But the picture that scripture would paint is that joy is just really the um, label of that emotion. Mm -hmm. And that, yes, when those things that would make you happy, uh, when those things come up, you are going to be more happy. You're going to be more joyful because you're as we're going to see, you're dipping into those baskets. Mm -hmm. And so we're still saying pretty much the same thing. And so if you do have some pushback with this idea of happy versus joyful, I would really encourage you to just listen because when I went through the study, because I did actually take this one, that was one of the things that I had that was just like, but it's helpful. Like happy is the individual like action-based things and joy is just this all-encompassing like overarching feeling that we're supposed to be having but when you see it as the individual events are just a part of joy Mm -hmm. instead of trying to separate it it just makes sense and that's really the picture that we saw painted through scripture yeah because we're not saying you can't say that we just want you to realize that's not necessarily the picture the bible paints Mm -hmm. um the labeling yeah. So there is a distinction between these healthy, more spiritually, you know, EIE, right? Mm-hmm. These healthy, more spiritual things that can cause more lasting joy slash happiness, and then fleeting, evil, sinful things that can cause joyful slash happiness. So don't, you know, pursue the f- first without pursuing yeah. the second. Um, so just, I just want to help people be aware that when you, when you use that phrase, while again, it's helpful, it makes sense, the Bible would basically agree the bible doesn't really use the same language and it doesn't use the same labels mm-hmm. um and so just just be aware of that yeah uh, it's an interesting thing so th- that's one thing i wanted to say um the second thing i wanted to say we already actually mentioned which was the personality and the expression and so if you're a more in- introvert or more reserved person 
this doesn't mean that as you get a whole bunch, you know, because because to rejoice is a command, right? Paul says rejoice always. Mm-hmm. Um, you should always be having this merry contentment leading to this exhilarated feeling of joy and happiness that results in this, this bounding expression according to your personality. How you do that is is gonna is gonna vary, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still it's still a command. It's still something that we want to move toward. Yeah, and we can come back later to um, that command, rejoice always. I want to talk about that. Remind me to talk about that at the end. Okay. And I think what you were getting at there is as we are obeying this command and we are actually moving towards rejoicing always and seeing more of this full picture of it. We're not if you're more reserved, you're not going to necessarily become more um, exuberant and expressive. I think that's where you're going with that. Um, The emotion will be there. Yeah, but but it's according to your personality, and it's not that this bounding expression that a more extroverted person would have is better or the more complete version of joy. Right, right. We don't want to compare that. And so we don't want to say that. We just really want to emphasize that it is an intense emotion. Like, this isn't just some... I'm joyful today. Right. Like it, it really is more than that, although it will look different from person to person. And another thing I'll say on that, laying aside that, so, you know, we've acknowledged this personality difference. Laying that aside for the moment, we do see a pattern in scripture where um, you need to be willing to cut loose hmm. whatever cut loose looks like for you, but it's going to be outside your comfort zone. So we live, especially like in the American church culture, depending on the denomination or the branch that you're in, right? Yeah. Charismatic churches are, are a lot more like, let's just, let's just celebrate, right? Yeah. Where Presbyterian or the, some of the old school stuff and, um, can get a little more reserved. Um, you know, you've seen the, the jokes on YouTube as far as how, 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 all the different ways you can raise your hands yeah. and you know, that kind of deal. Um, we found that, that biblically people with joy weren't worried about societal expectations. Mm-hmm. And so David, you know, dancing in joy and delight, naked, basically. Um, there was at least twice where it was talking about the Israelites rejoiced, and it mentioned, this is both in the Old Testament, and it mentions that the ground shook. And I remember in, in, the, in the study mentioning this a number of years ago, the Seattle Seahawks uh, had a playoff game there in Seattle, and you know, they, got, they got a rabid uh, fan base. And I don't remember what, what year it was, but in, in that playoff game, somebody scored a key touchdown, um, and the crowd went nuts. And so they were all just cheering and jumping up and down in, in the stands. They actually triggered an earthquake in the Seattle area. And so you know, this was on a sunny night or whatever it was, the size seismographers, or, yeah, the people sitting there, you know, um, all of a sudden they just start seeing the, the lines start shaking. Hey, hey, an earthquake's happening. And, and you know, little mild ones happen fairly frequently, not a huge deal. They weren't expecting this. Mm-hmm. And so it caught them off guard. And they were trying to figure out what caused it. And they were able to trace it back to the stadium. Which is so cool. Which is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And so that, and so you can see people can get so excited uh, about you know about a football game, but get so excited they actually tr- they actually triggered an earthquake. So going back to these Old Testament passages where it says the Israelites rejoiced and the ground shook, that's actually the idea going on there. That at mm-hmm. least twice they were expressing so intently that they they triggered earthquakes. Right. The ground was shaking, and so and so it's one of those deals where if you're like how I would look at it, let's say you've got like a, a kind of a spectrum of reserved to the more you know introvert to the more extrovert, and then within each of those f- 
possibilities, there's like a threshold, a comfort zone of how willing you are to express that. And it seems that biblically with joy, don't put any limits on that. Hmm. So let's say, for example, if a, um, a one, it was a, like a, a, a kind of a quiet celebration and a 20 was this ecstatic jumping around David kind of dancing naked kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's like a one to 20 scale. Uh, the more reserved type of person is probably going to be comfortable with a one, two or three, maybe four. It seems that biblically, if, if you're just letting joy just sink in, you might jump to five, dare we say six, <laughs> you know, or seven. Yeah. Where if you're more extroverted, you might be at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, but kind of cap it. Anything beyond that's a little crazy. Yeah. Well, but then as that joy truly is setting in and you're not worried about other people's expectations, you start moving into 17, 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the reserve type doesn't have to go all the way to 20. If they get to six, seven, or eight, and it's outside their comfort zone, it's great. So it's like kind of like like point one, we recognize personality differences here and, and how you're going to experience it and, and express it. But then point two, don't put a cap on that uh, yeah. and let it go a little beyond wherever your comfort zone is. Does that make sense? Yeah, basically just the idea that don't let your self-label limit your expression of joy. Yeah, that's really good. So, okay, and then the other one, other point I wanted to make was a concept you're going to hear all the time. You actually referenced it a little bit when we talked about how, you know, we should always just have that joy kind of this underlying current. Um, I've heard countless times you just need to choose joy. That's not true. Don't Mm. don't say that. Don't think that. Don't repeat that. Don't don't give that as advice to somebody. You can't choose joy. You can't choose to feel that way. There is a choice involved. And so one of the things that we saw was this joy, this happiness, this merry contentment leading to this bounding area, this this exhilarated, high-spirited feeling leading to this bounding expression Mm -hmm. and celebration. Um, It's triggered by X, Y, and Z. And what, and what we're going to go through here is we're going to show you X, Y, Z. There's actually X, Y, Z, A, B, C, P, Q, R, T, L. There's a bunch of things. Yeah. So when we went through the study, we made a list of all the things according to Bible, the Bible that can bring about happiness or joy. Mm-hmm. And so the key is, and we mentioned this back in the definition, is you need to choose to think on those things. You need to choose to pay attention to them, to recognize them, to embrace them. Mm. So joy does require a choice, a decision, but it's not a decision just to all of a sudden you have joy. So when, when people say, listen, you know, as a Christian, you just need to choose joy in your life. It's not possible. Yeah. You need to choose to receive all these amazing things that God has provided in all these six baskets that we're going to get into, you need to choose to receive those things um, and 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 take part in them and experience them and think you know whatever's good, pure, noble. Think on these things. Take every thought captive, etc. You do need to choose to think on those things. Um, that's what the choice is. Yeah. And then once you start embracing and experiencing those things, they're just going to trigger joy. And we're going to get into, by the way, because there's these six baskets and there's tons of things within each basket, some things will trigger more joy in you than other things. That's not all equal. So you can find the things that bring you the most joy that God is offering, mm-hmm. um, you know, not sin, um, yeah. 
and but anyway, so I, I just I wanted to to reiterate that because that's one of those kind of church cliches that people don't think to question. Mm-hmm. Though, like you know, imagine a preacher's giving a sermon. He says, "You just got you got. We all need to just choose joy." And everyone's like, amen, amen. And then I was to do a survey afterwards. I'm like, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. How does that work? No idea. Yeah. You know? Well, you just do it. You just do it. But no, how, how do you do it? Okay, do it for me. Well, I can't, right? And so yeah. and so I wanted to actually break down a very practical, like, step-by-step approach to finding joy. Um, this is also, and we're, we'll get into a little bit more of this later, too. This also gets into the expectations that you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier expectations are going to damn you hmm. um, and and really create um, uh, some blockage in the in the joy pipes yeah um, that's another way you can look at it is like imagine like with the baskets but imagine six pipes and those pipes come into your heart and so these are the and there's all kinds of things you can pour down each pipe and the, and then they come down into your heart and they trigger joy um, they're really awesome good things mm-hmm. pleasing things um, but if you have uh, bitterness or anger or hatred or depression or uh, self-condemnation uh, or high unrealistic expectations, those things can clog up those pipes and, and then the joy just begins to trickle in. Um, and so we can get, we'll get into that with the application. Yeah, and I think that that's a really good word picture. And uh, just going back a little bit to what you were saying about it's not choosing joy, it's choosing to think on the things that bring joy. That's, it seems like a very small and insignificant difference because it's just like, well, okay, cool, sure. Like, yeah, you think you choose to think on the things that bring joy, but just, just choose joy. No, there really, there just really is something different there because one you can actually do <laughs> and one is just because um, and I think this is just something that a lot of times we just want the end result. It's just, okay, so um, joy. Yep, I know I, I know I need to have joy. I know it's a good thing. I know it's beneficial. And so I just want it and I know I'm supposed to be joyful in all circumstances. So I'm just going to choose joy. And it's just not that simple. And we get really frustrated when we're not able to have the joy that we just want to choose to have. Yep. But all we have to do is choose to think on the things that bring us joy. And so it seems like a small difference, but it really That's is powerful. impactful when you actually move down um, the line and you're beginning to actually try and get joy. And an example you gave, they think they're choosing joy. They're choosing perseverance. Mm-hmm. And that's still a really good thing, but they're not actually choosing joy. Because something that, that you and I believe strongly in and, and all the, you know, Craig and Tori and Connor, everybody, Ian, that have come in to, to do these recordings with us or I've taken all the unpacking studies, all of us have recognized and embraced the importance of words. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. the words that you use, and and we talk about you know in rekindling we want to apply the details of the Bible to the details of our lives, and the details are where the magic is, mm-hmm. and so when you make a general statement like choose joy, and you and what you mean by that is the more detailed process of choose to think on and experience the things that will then trigger the joy within you. You say, well, that's what I mean, but it's not what you said. Yeah. And our mind yeah. listens to what we say. And other people listen to what we say, not what we mean. Mm-hmm. So you need to have what you say be as closely aligned to what you mean as possible. So stop saying, 
choose joy and start saying, choose to think on, experience the things that will trigger the joy within you, right? Just what you're saying. Um, and like you said, it seems small. It's not. Yeah. Or, or if it's a small, if it's a small change, huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Because, I mean, James talks about the power of the tongue and how it's small, but it has just all of this power in James. I think it's one or two. And he likens it to the rudder of a boat that it's small and insignificant, but it's able to change the direction. And that really is just with this concept, yeah, you're right. uh, even just as simplistic as it seems to have that shift in mindset, it really can be just so impactful, which is why we've spent this much time talking about it. So the next thing is, uh, before we get into the, to the baskets, so you know how like, remember in the love study, we kind of did like a step-by-step order. If, you know, we, we explain what love is. There's the, the emotional component, the willful, covenantal, committed component, the mind kind of disposition, attitude component, and then the active strength, contribution, action component, right? Mm-hmm. So we went through that, and then we went through like the step-by-step process that we recommended. So like step one, just stop and think how the triune God loves themselves perfectly. And imagine what that relationship looks like between Father, Son, and, and Spirit. Um, and just like don't move on until you can kind of picture that a little bit. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. They, they must be really tight, right? Um, then step two, realize that this triune God loves the world, which includes you. So you need to receive that love. And so we go back to the definition of heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. So you need to receive God's affection for you and, and receive the commitment that he's putting, that, he, that he's, you know, he's committed to you. Um, he's patient with you and understanding of you. He also wants you to, to experience good and wants you to transform. And then he's contributing to your well-being if you let him, right? And so you need to experience that. And then as you're receiving that love from him, then you can return that love to him. So you can have that affection for him and we go through all the things. And then, and then as, you're, as you're receiving it from him and returning it, it's going to make it easier for you to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And then as you're doing that, you'll be able to love others like those of your family and friends closest to you. Then as you're doing that, you'll be able to love kind of the strangers or the randoms in life. And then as you're doing that down the road, you can actually begin to love your enemies and it becomes kind of this step-by-step process. So sometimes these steps can be kind of helpful for people because, again, it's like a detailed, practical thing and not just saying a statement but doing it. So, so one of the ideas here... Um, this is like a step-by-step approach that one can take to experiencing more joy. It seems that step one, you just want to sit with God and let him lead. And you referenced that earlier as that that is the, the core initial need that we should, we should uh, sit with. Can you experience joy outside of God? Does, to some extent, yes, because God sends rain even on the unrighteous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still, God's still a part of your life, whether you want him to be or not, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it seems that if you most want to experience joy, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, you need to be letting him lead on this. Um, and so the first thing, it's not like, let me get more joyful, Lord. And once I'm more joyful, I'll be in a better mood to spend more time with you. It's more of, let me just spend more time with you. And one of the benefits is going to come from that is I'm going to get more joy. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first step is to kind of just come alongside him and let him lead. Um, then you want to recognize the difference between flesh and spirit. This is a little bit of like last week we talked about, like you can have peace in your flesh and peace in your spirit. Um, this, I think, would also getting... Well, yeah, this kind of goes with the... I kind of group these two together, but re, re, um, rejecting unmet, unrealistic expectations. So I'm not going to go into a whole long rabbit trail on this, but a couple years ago, had a major falling out with somebody. And it, was, it was it devastated me, and I'm still, I was still just like so much wrecked by it. Um, 
but it really, it really wrecked me for a month or two. Mm. And I wasn't getting any joy at that time. And I was just in a bad place. And so like going through the joy studying and the, and the unmet expectations, I made a list of what are our, what are our, what are expectations that I have for joy? I.e., I won't be fully happy until these things occur. And I came up with eight. And 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 it was it wasn't whether they were right or wrong. I was just listing. I think subconsciously I hold to these eight. And almost all of them were ridiculous. Hmm. Um, that, you know, not until I make no more mistakes, not until others make no more mistakes. Not until I have, I make X amount of dollars a year. Not until uh, I ha- I'm, I'm this weight. Uh, I put all these things down. Not that they were necessarily all bad. Some of them were, some of them were just bad. Some <laughs> of them it's like, okay, it's good, but you really shouldn't hinge your joy on that. Yeah. Because um, the idea was, was like, I'm not allow- allowing myself to experience any happiness until all these occur. But once I wrote it down, I'm like, why do I think that way? Like, oh my goodness. It was, a, it was amazing seeing it written on paper. And that became a mile marker in my life um, to try to kind of forego those expectations, um, or you know, and, or tweak them, right? So some of them you just need to get rid of, mm-hmm. some you need to tweak. Um, some you can still have, but that doesn't mean that you can't have any joy until they occur, because you can find joy. Because the weird thing was, let's say for example, um, I can't have any joy until I no longer sin. And the idea being that, but someone's like Shannon, but no, because you can find joy in these other things. And so I'm like, okay, let me go experience joy in them. Mm, that's not cool. That's me being hypocritical because that means like I'm blowing off the sin. Hmm. Well, no, no, that's a bad way of thinking, you know. But you ha- I had to verbalize all that to kind of, like, oh, wait, that's, no, that's not right. I can still, because for, for example, God doesn't hold to that. If God held to that, he would never be joyful, in, at least in the, in the prologue, not until heaven. Um, but he still rejoices. Uh, he still takes delight in things. So he's found this way of, listen, all the sin grieves me, and I hate it, and that all goes back to the sin study, mm-hmm. but that doesn't prevent me from having joy. I still let the things that trigger joy trigger joy in me. Why I also am yeah. grieving and hating the sin. Uh, is Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, I should emulate that. It's just, but again, I have it's all on my subconscious level until I brought it all out. Anyways, as you're doing all that, that's going to then allow you to move into that merry, thankful contentment in the foundational things that that your my core needs are being ab- abundantly replenished in the way God knows them knows them to be, hmm. right? Not, not my, according to my expectations. And so then, once that merry contentment is coming in, then um, that's then going to free me up to start thinking on and, and, and experience not just thinking on thinking on and experiencing all those different things that trigger joy and happiness um, and start, start doing that. And then I can start getting that joy and happiness, the high exhilarated spirits uh, about a variety of different things, which can then lead to that, that bounding celebration, however that plays out. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, that could be getting choked up, uh, could be dancing, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but I, but I've been on an interesting journey the last several years of with patience and joy um, patience. It seems like patience, peace, contentment. These all seem to be things that need to come before joy. Um, so I've been working on those things so that I can get more joy in my life because we'll get in here in a little bit, you know, the benefits of it all. Um, it's really powerful. And it's almost like, um, you know, there's the, I think there's a weird thinking among many Christians where if I'm truly living the dedicated Christian life, I'm going to be miserable because of all the sacrifices I have to make, et cetera. Because, I mean, there's even been throughout the church history times when, like, laughter was frowned upon. 
Yeah. Um, you know, that that's that's what that's what the godless do. Um, and so there's almost like sometimes some people, I'm not everybody, but some people feel like joy joy can't be this exhilarated happiness because that would that seems to be outside the mature, serene, stoic, stoic, reverent Christian's life. So the the mature Christian is the stoic, reverent, serene person. And which there's no place for exhilarated happiness. So joy can't mean that. Joy needs to be something else. Hmm. And then realizing, nope, joy is an exhilarated happiness. And the mature believer is going to have joy. So the mature believer is going to be exhilaratingly happy about a whole variety of things. You know, it's because again, like, like, well, not till heaven. But I think we should begin making heaven happen now, Hmm. you know. Anyways, so it's just some interesting things on that, with that. Um, all right, so with that then, uh, let's get into the baskets. And so, what, so what, what, what's going on here with the baskets? We, we had started making a list of all these different things and, and all the verses that we were finding that trigger joy and happiness. And then we noticed there was themes. And so we started grouping them together. And, th- and this was my grouping. I think, I think um, people in the study had come up with their own groupings. So this is mine, but um, I'm going to give you mine, and you can do with it what you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but by the way, I, I've memorized these, um, and there's six of them. And so what I have, I have a visual. So I so I picture like either baskets or I picture like um like a hot air balloon basket is kind of okay. what I picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so almost like a hot air with the hot air balloons, uh, with, you know, with a balloon above it. But anyway, so I. I of course, I'm using my hands as we record the podcast here, but I picture one like up high in the air. Mm-hmm. Then I picture four, like one level below it, kind of like at the four corners of it. Okay, so and almost that, like a pyramid in the air. So sort of, yeah, four sort of, corners yeah. and one on top. Yes, and then I picture one more, the sixth one, a big one below all that, like as like a foundation. Okay. So that that's how I visualize. It's like when I'm taking a walk with ghosts or I'm praying. And I'm, right, so what are the six? Like I, I have that visual, and then, of course, I've labeled each of them. So the top one is the God one, mm-hmm. the God basket. And this is this is intimacy with him. It's it's so, so this basket includes anything to do with your relationship with God. So as you pursue a relationship with him, and he's pursuing a relationship with you, and the intimacy that comes from that, um, we have a whole bunch of, we're just going to kind of, rapid fire through each of these, but it all comes with just, and this goes back hugely to the prayer episode. So we encourage you to go back and listen to the two part prayer episode that kind of gets into all this. But anyway, so some examples of this, um, believing in Jesus. And so, and of course, if you believe in him, you are declared righteous and you find that salvation. So, so we found this in the study, believing in God, believing in Jesus as Lord can trigger joy. Because you're now in right standing with him. You're now mm-hmm. in that right relationship with him. You're now going to be preserved and delivered and made whole into the future eternal kingdom. And that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And then also in addition to that, walking with him in prayer, which again will go right back to the prayer study that we spent a lot of time talking about. And I can't emphasize that one enough. My prayer life has changed the last couple of years where now it's just conversations with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really do. Especially... We can't get in, in it here, but like beginning to hear his voice and hearing the stuff that he wants to say to you, they're they're usually joy triggers. 
Um, and then and then another one is taking refuge in him. So remember we talked in the hope study, holding on to positive expectations, that that hope is you're holding on to the positive promises that he's bringing about at some point in the future. And you can take refuge in the fact that they're coming. Mm-hmm. And also having a healthy fear of the Lord, which going back to the fear study we talked about is just sitting in reverential awe of him, uh, not this shaking terror. This is a perfect example of how you listen to one of these unpackings and you're like, oh, I don't know about that. But then you listen to another one, another one, and they actually are all confirming each other. Mm-hmm. And so when we learn in fear of the Lord that it's more of a shaking and excitement at God than shaking and dread at him. So that will makes total sense because it would be weird to shake and dread and also be have this exhilarated joy and happiness. Um, but when you realize you're shaking in excitement of who he is and the fact that, that he loves you, it really makes sense. It's just cool watching all these things confirm, um, each, confirm other. each other. Yeah, uh, And then another one is uh, experiencing the peace, joy, and patience that he offers. This goes back to the fruit of the Spirit. So kind of like joy triggers joy. Mm-hmm. Peace can trigger joy. Patience. So for example, remember in the patience perseverance study that we did with, with Andy, um, the short answer there of patience and perseverance is letting the bad happen to you. But we got into Richard Foster's stuff about if you choose to let somebody take advantage of you to some extent, you're the one giving them the permission. You're the one still in power. Uh, and so it's very freeing mm-hmm. of like, I'm, you know, I'm going to turn the other cheek on this. I'm going to let you slap me. I'm going to turn the other cheek. But because you're choosing to do that, uh, it's freeing. And that freeing can trigger this, this joy, this exhilaration. In addition to those fruit of the spirit, also just receiving God's loving affection and attention. Uh, just love is such a key part of everything that we really come back to here at Rekindling and is just a foundational part of who God is. And so resting in that, recognizing that he does love us um, and all of the different components of that really just bring out joy. And, and I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the joy or the love episode because we don't want we don't want we don't want to just we don't want you just to accept that God loves you. We want you to know what that means. So like like you just said with all the components. So so go back and listen because it's it's life changing. It's powerful. Um, you know it's, it's it's there'll be a little bit of that it's too good to be true because nobody's that good, and coming to the realization that's the definition of God. He is that good. It's it's flooring. It really is. Um, and then hearing his encouraging guidance. So I'd said, you know, as you're beginning to hear his voice, which is a whole can of worms we won't go into here. Um, and you're hearing him just kind of edify you and pour into you. And and there's times when like, uh, well, we even mentioned this in the last episode uh, with with the peace and that shalom, shalom, shalom. It's like God saying, like, you know, let, let's say, you know, I, I come to him after I just sinned. And so I think he's mad at me. Um, and there's no relational peace between the two of us because he's irritated at me. And then realizing God saying, no, son, I am always at shalom, shalom, shalom. You cannot understand it. I'm always there, you know. And so it's just hearing that encouragement can really bring some relief and free you up for the joy, you know. And, and, or, or like, hey, I love what you're doing. Keep doing this and affirming you. Or I want you to go do this. This is why I want you to go do this. These are all different examples of how that can play out. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, tapping into God's strength and power. And so the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is something that as we actually are recognizing all of his attributes and his nature and learning more about God, we can actually begin to be empowered by him. And joy is one of the results of that. Yeah, that's cyclical. So 
the more you're tapping into his strength and power, the more joy you get. The more joy you get, the more strength and power you get. And it just builds, they just build each other. And strength and power is the next episode mm-hmm. that we're going to be rec- recording. We're, we only got two left after this one. Um, and then and then trusting in him and his plans. And so we, we've talked about, you know, faith equals belief plus trust. And so the belief and that salvation is a trigger for joy. And then the more you're actually trusting in his character and you're, and you're trusting in his will and his desires, mm-hmm. um, and the more you're trusting in what he's calling you to do and the plans of scripture, uh, and truly like, you know, climbing into the wheelbarrow. We've used that analogy before. Um, that's another source of joy. It's, this is one of those things where a lot of this type of stuff, it's like pushing through uh, a big thicket of brambles, briars, and thorns than to get out to the other side where the festivities are. It seems to be there's a, a pattern in, in, in Christian living that you kind of have to go uphill a little bit through a thicket, uh, which is kind of rough, to push through to the other side. So we talk about how it's pretty difficult on the front end, pretty rewarding on the back end. That's another example with all this. So so that's, that's the first big basket. And you know you said earlier, that should always be the first, that's the first thing we need, it's the first thing we should go to. Um, so let's say, let's say you're listening and you are a believer and you've drank the Jesus Kool-Aid and you've been listening to a bunch of these episodes and you listen to Seven States Journey back in season one. And, and you're, all right, I'm in the boat, you know, I believe in God sincerely, I'm not really out in the water walking and I, and I want to get there. Um, realize you can't get out in the water without God, right? The Holy Spirit, you know, with his hands under the water, all this stuff that we talked about there. Um, and so what does that mean practically before you try obeying I feel like we're getting deja vu right now, but um, before you try obeying the details of Scripture, start spending time with God Hmm. and start to develop that prayer life and listen to Him and speak to Him rawly, right? Just in a very real fashion. Um, Just start that because that means to be the first thing that will give you the joy, the strength, the wisdom, the encouragement to then go carry all this stuff out. Um, if you're not a believer and you know, you've been listening to, maybe this is your first episode or you've been listening to a couple episodes and you're like, I don't know about the whole Bible Jesus thing, but I like some of the insights that you have from a psychological perspective. So I listen to them. Um, know that we really do believe that, that as cliche as it is, you know, Jesus is the answer. Um, he's, he's a, he's the greatest source of joy. This, this whole triune God, right? Father, son, and spirit. Um, and so we're not telling you, hey, you must, you know, you can't listen to our podcast if you don't believe in Jesus. You're going to do whatever you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just want to encourage you to give that a shot, to think about it. Um, you know, contact us, contact a, 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 a mature Christian that you might know of how that looks and how that works, but but give that a shot. So so that that's the God basket. Then you have the four kind of, you know, below it. Um, and, I, and I have them all on the same level because I don't know if, if I could say one is more important than the other. They're just all there, and they're all really good. And so one of them is the—I I, I now call it the transformation basket. I have here in my notes the reworking and refinement of us clay people. And so one of the things we saw is this goes back to the maturity study we did earlier this season— of what it means to go from the boat riding Christian to the water walking Christian. What does it mean to transform, to be sanctified, to mature, to become the more complete version of you? Um, this is a huge component of rekindling, like with Know They Sell from season two and all that, 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 that I believe that we all start like the broken, unfinished version of ourselves. 
and part of the reason we're in this prologue in this life is to start working toward uh, becoming the complete version of ourselves, maturing, um, becoming more obedient, more joyful, have more fruit of the Spirit, all, all those things. And, and, and then in heaven you will be, everyone will be the, the full version of themselves, and it's going to be awesome, but begin moving in that direction. And so one of the things we found was for you to do that or for others to do that uh, is a source of joy. So Paul, like when he writes the, the church in, in the Thessalonians, he says, you know, I have great joy when I hear that you're doing this. Um, and, and just practically in life, when I see the changes I've made over the last 15 years since I've recommitted to God, um, it's kind of cool. It's like, oh, I'm really good. I'm really glad that I'm not there anymore. I, you know, I'm still not where I need to be yet, but it's, but you know, baby step, tortoise hair, um, you know, where the tortoise, not the hair on this, just taking my time getting through life. And so it's, it's, it brings me joy. When I see you or somebody else in the group, they have an aha moment. And I, I, I begin to see a change like, ooh, I hadn't thought that way before. I'm going to think that way now. And they begin thinking that way. Yeah. Um, or they start getting uh, one of their muddy fields tempered. Right. Or they or they start pursuing their calling in very real ways. Um, so whether it's you yourself maturing or transforming or others are maturing and transforming, um, that's that's cool. That basket is fairly empty. A lot of the time. Yeah, because we've yeah. talked about how it's a majority of the world never even gets in Jesus's boat. Mm -hmm. And then a majority of those that get in his boat never go out in the water. So it's only a minority of a minority. Mm -hmm. um, but it is there. And so don't get mad that most of the world isn't doing this. Get excited when you see it. That's going to be very difficult for me mm -hmm. because I'm more susceptible to focus on the fact, well, okay, yes, I appreciate that, that these three or four people are really maturing in their faith, that that's great and all, but look at all those people that aren't. I can't think that way. I, I have to remind myself, I'm, Shannon, that is, that is um, entangling yourself in bad expectations. So stop focusing on what, what is not being right and focus on what is being right. It's just that's going to take me some time to kind of get there. Yeah, and I think that this basket, even though it is the minority of a minority and is empty most of the time, it's really, really powerful when you can see progress being made. Because um, I think we're wired similarly in a lot of ways. And one is that uh, just I also get so excited when I actually see myself make progress spiritually mm -hmm. and then also just in others like uh just describing to someone how no as a believer we're not supposed to get angry like anger is just something we shouldn't use and just see them click for them and to see people actually start applying these details it just really is just powerful and exciting and it really can be impactful as we try and grow joy by thinking on these type of things. But just what you were saying, if we decide instead to say, okay, um, well, I've been really growing, but I know my friend over here hasn't been. It can be very discouraging very quickly mm -hmm. because that's not our focus. Our focus isn't right. the other person. It really needs to be on ourselves. And we need to be celebrating progress, not um, getting demoralized over just staying the same or a lack of progress if pro is the opposite of con does that mean progress is the opposite of congress <laughs> <laughs> I'm, we slid that right in there that's awesome <laughs> um yeah and this goes back to expectations because and it goes back to psalm 103 the lord is patient with us for he remembers that we're made of dust we are dust people our default is not to mature mm -hmm. so we really shouldn't get 
surprised or discouraged when somebody's not maturing because that's the default. And so we should get excited when we see it because it is the exception to the rule, right? So that, that's the second basket. The third basket, similar, is the, basically the justice basket. Um, the, the sacrificial pursuit of love, truth, justice, i.e. making things right. So, so these two baskets are actually really similar. They're both kind of justice baskets. The first one, the transformation, is like justice within. Mm-hmm. So it's the making of things right within uh, by at an individual level. So yeah. it's kind of at an internal and an individual level. This basket, more say social justice or external justice, this would be making things right at in the external on the multitude level. Um, and so, so we actually went ahead and separated both of them because it seems so powerful to see just one person individually transform inside out. This is beat you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but then so this... this um, this is now the third basket overall, but the second one of the four is the 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 pursuit of making things right. And so we've got a number of um, subcomponents to put under here. This would be this could be ways to make things right. This could also be the things that you should be making right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, for example, meditating on God's scripture, His will, His commandments, just just reading scripture, studying it, learning it, learning what what is it that God wants. What are the parameters of Scripture? Um, you know, delighting in the Word of God, mm-hmm. and then also just finding wisdom and understanding and discerning what brings God joy. So as we get to know God and His character more and more, good. we're going to figure out what actually uh, just lights Him up, what gets Him excited, and then we can really allow that to affect us. So, a little side note there: we talked last episode about God is always at peace. Mm-hmm. God's always full of joy. Hmm. So what's interesting is, we'll come to anger and grief in a second. God's nature, part of his core, intrinsic, innate nature, is to be at shalom, shalom, shalom. He's just always good. He's always at peace. He's never panicked. And he always has this joy. Why? Because he, he can see everything. So he sees all the baskets. So like that first basket with, with the relationship with God, it's with the triune nature. Mm-hmm. So the Father, Son, and Spirit are all just intimately relating with each other. So that right there, they always have that source to trigger joy and happiness in them. And then they see all the occasions of individuals transforming, and they take joy at that. Uh, you know, Jesus marveling at the Roman centurion's faith. Mm-hmm. Um, they see all the times that justice is being done in all these different ways. They can see it all. They also know, you know, past, present, and future, and so they know what heaven's going to be like. And so it's not that they're always just in this state of joy, even when nothing's triggering it. It's that they can always see all the triggers. And 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 that first one, just the intimate nature between the three of them, um, is always there. Mm-hmm. And so when you start realizing if we're letting the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint and the fruit of the spirit is these things and God is spirit, God is always these things. This, this just begins to change everything I've thought about God, mm-hmm. right? Growing up in a little more legalistic, you know, kind of environment and, and think God was always mad. And so, and so to me, you don't want to say, listen, we know that he hates sin and he has anger and wrath and he grieves it. We know those things first. We have to sit on them so that we can understand peace and joy. I'm going to argue, no, you need to go the other way around. You need to understand the peace and joy first. See, he's always at peace. He's always rejoicing over something. And then given that, 
He does grieve when sin occurs, and he will show anger and wrath as that tool when needed. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that study. And so the grief and anger are rarer, where the, the peace and joy are defaults. And, and we always give this example, because I think it's a great example, at a funeral, after everybody leaves, the family's sitting there, and they're all grieving and they're sad, but they still can laugh, and they can because they're remembering funny moments or certain elements about that person. And so, yes, God absolutely grieves sin. It carves him, it hurts him, it cuts into him. And I go, go back to the grieving study on that. Um, and yes, he hates, he loathes, he despises detriment being caused. And yes, he will use anger and wrath in that third stage, second or third stage of punishment, you know, as needed. Go back and listen to the punishment study. Mm-hmm. Um, but those aren't his defaults. None of those will occur in heaven because there's no sin in heaven, but, but the default will remain. Yeah. And so I want to encourage us to really be thinking about that. Like, that, well, that, I guess that is true. I hadn't thought of that. It's going to be a little bit difficult to let myself think that way. But if you do, it's pretty amazing. And that goes, so, so anyways, to your point, finding wisdom, just finding wisdom and understanding. I probably should have separated those as two points. Finding wisdom and understanding can bring joy. These aha moments and skillful governance. This goes back to the one we did two episodes ago, right? The knowledge, mm-hmm. knowledge and understanding wisdom. Um, and then also discerning what brings God joy, just dis- discerning his personality and his character and what's he, what's he like and all that stuff. And then having a contrite and humble heart as his servant. So we did the, the humility uh, study. study. Mm-hmm. And to be humble doesn't mean to downplay oneself um, or not overplay oneself. Biblically, to be humble means to kneel before God in adoration, um, security, and submission. And so it makes sense if you're kneeling before him because you just think he's awesome, that excited fear, uh, and you think he's the safest place you're taking refuge in him, uh, and that he is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, he's the self-existent creator God. Um, all of that, if you're doing mm-hmm. that, God will, can reward you with joy, um, and you can get this, this spring in your step. Yeah, and then also obediently and faithfully doing the good work of the Lord. And so you're actually doing good and right things and you see it manifested in your life and then in the lives of others. So this goes back to the sin study and one of the episodes, we had like about six or seven part thing. One of them was a list of all the sins. Well, so it was a list. Yeah, basically what it came out to was here's all the commands that God tells us to be and do and have. And then here's all the prohibitions that he says, don't be this, don't do this, don't have this. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw that it was like two to one or even three to one commands to prohibitions. We, the church, get really hyper-focused on the prohibitions, but there's double or triple the actual, the actual uh, commands. commands to go pursue. And what we find is uh, if you begin to pursue those commands, that will also bring you joy. Mm-hmm. And then doing all this via the good and specific calling that he's given each of us individually. So this goes back to know thyself and the wind walking, right, in the seven-stage journey. And so as you're doing all these things and you're doing it in your niche, um, and you're doing it according to the way that you're wired, according to the calling that he, that he has for you, um, that will also just add layers of joy and happiness on top of that. And even as you're doing your specific calling and figuring out what he has for you, doing it consistently drenched in love and joy is going to help even bring about this basket even more. 
just as we have a loving mindset, we're going to be able to make things right, which is going to allow us to have more joy, which is just the cyclical nature that we keep referring back to. So I'm going to come back to that last point in a moment. Um, So that's the third basket overall, the second one on this four-part tier. So then the next basket, I now call the spices of life basket, um, which is enjoying the, the rich works of his hands. So one of the things that we saw in scripture was um, there was a verse that talks about, I'm going to be careful with this, I, need, I should have looked it up, but like God delighting in beer um, or wine or something like that, but he, but he delights in a, in a or, or he, it, it was like God talking about how beer or wine can bring, bring delight. Um, obviously, food is huge, right? So there's yeah. feasts everywhere. Um, and so, or, or like, you know, a lot of people really appreciate nature. And sunsets, uh, and sunrises, and and mountains, and snow. I love snow. Um, and so these are all the works of his hands, all the spices of of his life. Um, and so I I, I kind of just listed those off. Um, but what we find is the Bible says, guys, these are triggers of joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Go go pursue them. And this basket is what people would typically call ha- things that would make you happy. Yeah, I think is yeah, a lot yeah, of times where the classification of happiness would come in. It's these different spices of life. Yeah, so we so like the the stuff that we have here, we have the beauty of his creation uh, and even people. Mm-hmm. And so like the, like I, you know, getting to do know thyself all these years and just seeing everybody come in with different personalities and different hairstyles and different eye color and different temperaments and different foods that like and different musics that they like and different dreams that they have that they want to do different talents that they have. Um, that's just awesome watching the diversity of all that. Mm. Like I think like I do enjoy nature. I think I'm more comfortable indoors than I am outdoors. I do enjoy nature, but I think I enjoy people even more. Um, animals, you know, uh, ghosts having her for a year now. Um, but anyway, so, so, so enjoying the, 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 his creation and people. And then also what we were just talking about, just feasting. So food, drinks, music, uh, there's all of these different aspects that, uh, can be a component of joy and spices of life. And what we're saying there is like, for example, as a Christian, go get a, well, if, if, unless you're a vegetarian, go get a steak, Hmm. get a New York strip, medium rare. With baked potato. Go to Five Guys and get a burger. If you are vegetarian, find whatever that dish is. That, you know, a, a tomato fresh out of the garden. I, I love. Um, let yourself savor that. I wrote. I read. I wrote a book. I read a book <laughs> called In Defense of Food. Well, I won't go into all of it, but one of the things he talked about was um, we Americans see eating as a chore. It's a necessary thing for sustenance. We're like the French; they enjoy it, hmm. and we need to get back to enjoying it. Um, and so as you're eating, pay, like, let's say you just eat, you're sitting at home eating and you're eating a banana, pay attention to the texture and the flavor, uh, the crunchiness of a walnut, uh, or whatever you're biting into. See if you can figure out, let's say you bite into a, you know, a cheeseburger. What are all the different tastes that you can taste or a burrito, you know, uh, um, uh, chick, uh, chipotle, you know, yeah. like that. anyways, but pay attention to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we, we talked before about all the abundant replenishing of our core needs and that merry contentment. So think about how God has, you know, whether you are drawing near to him or not, 
he's there hmm. um, abundantly so. And we have air. We have, and it, it, he designed our body to work. And yes, the body breaks down. We need medicine and doctors. That's all part of the process. Um, but it's amazing to think how vision works and neuroscience and how the brain makes decisions and all that kind of thing. We should be thankful on, on those things as well. And then kind of transitioning towards the rich work of his hands, just some of the uh, interactions that we see God having with uh, just life on earth. One of those is miracles. And this doesn't happen all of the time. It's not a guaranteed thing. But when we do see God really step into a situation and just change the reality of what was going to occur to something different, we really can find joy in whatever that change may be, whether it's with sickness or in the old test or not in the old testament but in scripture where we see like jesus turning water into wine like there's all of these miraculous things that occurred that we can take joy in uh with that would be answered prayers uh well oh i gotta change that answer petitions hmm. um when we in the prayer so we say does the question does prayer work well actually yes always because prayer is a two-way communication with god that's always available does he always answer your petitions? That then becomes, you know, well, more conditional. And thing. a lot of times we or think grant. of, yeah, uh, yeah granting gr- because yeah, he does granted. answer. It's just he always, not always yeah. yes. Yeah. So he always he, prayer always works. He always answers in the communication. He may not grant all your petitions. That becomes a separate thing. But when he does grant petitions, you know, get excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then also relief from suffering. And so when suffering is occurring and uh, typically through petitioning, you ask God to just really help change that scenario. Sometimes he does offer relief from suffering, which we can rejoice over. We see that this doesn't happen all the time. For example, Paul, he prayed uh, to have this thorn in the flesh taken away from him three times, and the Lord decided not to do that. Um, but we can actually find joy and relief from suffering. And, you know, we encourage you to go back and listen to the, the um, suffering study and listen to the grieving study because mm-hmm. we, we elaborate a lot more on that. And these last three that we just mentioned, the miracles and the granted petitions and relief from suffering, we put it italics in our notes because in the study we realized that's not all the time. Yeah. Right. There's there's timing with that. There's a number of this gets back to the complex view of justice, not the simple view of justice. Um, and so we know they're there. We know they don't happen, say, as much as other things. But we, we wanted to list them out. Um, so but the point of all that is allow yourself to dip into the spices of life basket. Go get a dog. Right. Um, go pick up a hobby. We had somebody go through itself mm, two and a half years ago. And she came at one point and she's like, is it normal to cry this much and, and know they self? I'm like, yeah, for some people, it, it, it varies going to be emotional. But what we realized was she had always loved arts and crafts, but she had started to come. She was in her, I think, her early 20s, come to the conclusion that a mature daughter of God does not waste time on such frivolous mm-hmm. things. That as a mature believer studying the word, receiving God's grace, sharing the gospel with others, you don't have time for that fun stuff that maybe maybe in heaven, right? But a mature believer lays those aside. That's a sacrifice you need to make. And as we were going through the Know They Self study, um, all of her love and talent for arts and crafts was coming back up again. So she was getting really emotional because she had already concluded that she wasn't she was supposed to downplay those things and deny herself those things. And so what we're able to talk about is, no, like, don't deny that. That's a part of how God made you. If God made you that way, he wants you to do that. Now, 24-7, no, right? There's time with all this stuff. But don't deny it. Allow yourself that. Allow yourself to take some joy in just making little crafts with a friend or for a friend or whatever. 
And so it was hard for her, but she realized that, that a mature believer is going to embrace all the ways that God made them, which would include arts and crafts for her. And so as a mature believer, it wasn't about denying it. It was about doing it sometimes just for joy. That's a, a little wink from God, you know. Um, and it was very freeing for her. So she was excited to get back into it, which was, which was really cool. So that's the, uh, the fourth basket overall, the, the third one here on this level. So then we get to the fifth basket of all, which is the fourth and final one on this level, kind of the, these four right underneath the, uh, the, uh, the God one. And this is the community basket, um, this mutual, unselfish, healthy community um, and all that that entails. So, for example, just a, a, a quick thing here, when, when others in the community are going through good circumstances— you rejoice alongside them. So just recently, I've had like four friends that just catching up with coffee or dinner and some cool things were coming their way. One was moving to Australia. One got a really good job with a really big raise that was be able to like create stability for his family that had a rough number of years. Um, and I walk away like, ah, oh, it's just really cool that, that that's happening to them. Uh, and so rejoicing when you see these other good things happening to them. And then also just uh, new life and births. And so this could be spiritually uh, it could be seeing people drink the Jesus Kool-Aid and come into just the family of God. Or in a more tangible, literal sense, uh, you know someone and they're having a baby. Like just yeah. growing in community and just sharing in the excitement of other people. Uh, and then, of course, deep fellowship. So in that community, really starting to to bond, this camaraderie, uh, forming this tight kinship, uh, intimacy, vulnerability, uh, trust, um, just really being able to connect with someone on a deep level, that obviously can trigger. Now, that can trigger some fear because you're afraid people are going to wrong you. But if it's actually happening well, yeah. major source of joy. Absolutely. And then uh, just being refreshed and encouraged and honored and favored and loved which really comes from having that healthy community around you. If you aren't in community with others, it's just really hard to encourage yourself a lot of times. But if you have someone that you know and that you trust come alongside you and offer a word of encouragement, it really can make a big difference. And so just allowing people to speak into your life and just do these sorts of things together. And that reminds me too, you know, we did a whole thing on the biblical rebuke. Uh, that was part of the putting it all together episode. Um, we spent some time on what does it mean. Biblical rebuke is restorative, it is. right? It's edifying. It's encouraging. It's challenging. It's calling them out, but because you're crazy about the person, and so even that can be a source of joy, right? Um, and so, so the reason why I I listed this one last of the four is because it seems the first three best take place alongside this one. Mm -hmm. So. So the community itself is awesome. But in that community, as each of them individually are transforming, that then makes it more likely that the community as a whole is going to pursue justice at that external level, social justice, and, and make everything right. And then they're just celebrating with some great feasts, a good beer, dogs, maybe cats, <laughs> um, but with the spices of life, taking, taking hikes, you know, up the mountainside, whatever. Um, it seems like like that's that's kind of what God's intent mm. was that that the other three would be would be would come alongside and all happen at the same time within that community basket, right? Mm -hmm. 
so those are those are five. There's a sixth one. So you have you have the God just intimacy and all that stuff with Him first. Then you have these other four: the transformation, the justice, the spices of life and community. Um, and then you have that final one, which is that real big one that, that, that that's like the foundation or kind of of all of it. And what that basket is is heaven. Mm. And what heaven is, it's the full rendering or full culmination of the other five. So with God, now we see, but in a mirror darkly, then we shall see face to face. Um, we will be fully transformed, the utter complete versions of ourselves. Justice will always occur. Right will always happen. Wrong will never happen. Um, the spices of life, the, the feasts that we're going to have in heaven, the, the sunsets that we'll see, um, the, the different parties that are going to go on. There's a verse in Zechariah that says he'll, God will sing over us with shouts of joy. So I feel like there's going to be like musicals that just occur randomly on the streets, the streets mm-hmm. of heaven. Um, and then obviously the community, because everyone's going to be there together. Um, so it's the full culmination of all these things. So I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the heaven episode that we did earlier this season where we, where we, we walked through all of that. And so the sixth basket, we can't tap into yet, but we can know it's coming. And so that's super awesome. Even though we can't get into that one yet, it's super exciting knowing that eventually we'll be able to fully dip into that one, which is the full version of all the other five, mm-hmm. um, and stuff we probably don't even know about yet. Right. Um, and that's just really cool. So, so those are the six baskets. So let me, let me talk like practically what this looks like. When I'm in a bad mood, I'm like, ooh, I need more joy, right? Because I, I have, you know, anger and irritation is just acid to my soul. Mm-hmm. And I want to put some um, uh, milk to kind of coat that and get rid of the acid. Um, the, when sweet and sour, sours are good. But when things get sour, you want to throw some sugar on there, right? Uh, and get some sweets. And so there's, this happens all the time. Even though it's funny, I am a, a, a charismatic extrovert type person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's not that I faked it all my life where out, on the outside I was really happy and the inside I was miserable. It's not true. I, really, I think I was happier with, as a kid. And then I think sure. as I got older, um, like in my teenage high school, I didn't necessarily enjoy that, that much. I had some good friends, but um, it was kind of weird. College, but then, but then, of course, my prodigal son stage, I had all kinds of, of happiness and joy, but that was the wrong kind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came back into my 30s, I think I kind of, not a depression, but like this, oh, this is so serious, and I'm so wretched, right? I sin all the time. People sin all the time. Um, and I really struggled with joy. Uh, EIE, right? Eternal, internal, external was an issue with, with all of this. Anyways, so it, 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 it's weird. It's like, it's part of my default nature, but doesn't come to me. Well, I I don't, I don't know how to explain that. It's just this weird scenario. So all that said, I, I intentionally, you know, uh, try to pursue joy. And so, so what happens then practically speaking, what's, what, what do I do with all these baskets, Shannon is I'll go through all of them. Uh, or, you know, if, all right, well, I need to dip into one of them. So what, what was happening when, when we first did the joy study the first time and we came up with these baskets and, and we, we did that justice basket, I realized that I was putting most of my eggs in the justice basket in the sense of I was really happy whenever things were working well, but things were hardly ever right, was hardly ever happening just in life as a whole. Um, the wretched, wretched politics in our country and, and, and you know, people starving and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I sin every day. Um, and so I was always sitting in that basket, but there wasn't a lot of things in that basket. And so I was miserable. And so I felt like I was saying, you're making two mistakes here, son. First one is 
what we mentioned earlier, you're more focused on all the right that's not occurring and it's discouraging you and, and, and frustrating you. You need to stop doing that. You need to go ahead and look at the few little pieces that are in this basket and take joy in them. That's one thing you need to do. The second thing is I've got four other baskets for you to get into me, the me, ba- you know, God basket, mm-hmm. the transformation basket, the spices of life basket, and, um, and, and then the community basket. Um, and so, you know, the, uh, uh, skeptical negative, you know, response was, yeah, but those baskets are all mostly empty as well. Like, yes, I have a, a lot of friends and I've got a few like really awesome deep friends, but I've only got a few and most of them don't live in Lynchburg. And so it's still not really the best community. I'm still single, you know, I haven't found that wife yet. Um, the transformation basket. Yes, I've come some way, you know, since I came back to you, but I know all the other ways that I haven't been doing it. And I've been doing rekindling for years now. And most people don't make, make major transformations. They just kind of go through the motions. Um, the spice is a life basket. Um, I don't have a lot of money, you know, that my trucks. Oh, I do. I do like, I got a 93 Ranger. I love it, but, um, <laughs> but it's getting old and rust is kicking in. And, um, anyways, and so, and yes, God, you're there, but you know, you're mad at me all the time because of the sin. And, and so then, and so God's like, but that's the, so, so you're focusing too much on all the negatives we need to be focusing on the few positives that are there. It's a change of thinking. And two, you're making assumptions about the baskets before even getting into them. Yeah. So I want you to diversify. I want you to spread the wealth a little bit. And I want you to put several eggs in each of the baskets. And so I want you to come back to me and let's re-explore how I think of you <laughs> and help you correct your thinking on how you think I think about you. Um, I want you to pay attention to how much I appreciate the changes that you've made within yourself. And, and, and let's think about some of your friends and the changes you've seen in them and let's call them up and thank them for that you know um it was one of the reasons i went ahead and got ghost allow myself a little spice of life uh, i love my ps4 my computer games and god's like i'm okay don't don't play them 24 7 right yeah but allow yourself to, to have some enjoyment in, in in the games um and so and so you go you know and, and you have the community you've got some good friends value that you know um anyways so that was very very helpful for me so now what i do is remember we talked about not all these baskets are of equal weight or the things in the baskets are of equal weight. And it will vary from person to person. It does seem the God basket is the heaviest, mm-hmm. right? It is the, it is the big one. Um, but with the other baskets, so you, the listener, it's going to vary for you, but, but memorize those six baskets, knowing that the heaven one you can't get to yet, but it's coming and it's going to be freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have five other ones to go to and you might have just a few eggs in each of those baskets, but that's okay. Um, and then this is, goes back to eternal, internal, external, which we've, we've referenced a bunch <laughs> this episode. Didn't mm-hmm. even plan on that. That's back in season one. Um, but thinking on the eternal good things. And so let's say, for example, among, among the five baskets that you have access to, you come up with, if you're being totally honest, you should be able to come up with at least 15 or 20 things that trigger joy, whatever degree of joy it is, trigger some degree, mm-hmm. um, maybe 50, 60, 80, 100, right? Um, but the idea being that, that when you are in a bad mood, um, it seems that you need to you know, go back and get peace and patience and contentment first. And that will kind of free you up to then get in these because because if you come to the baskets in a pissy mood, it's not going to go it's, well. It's, yeah, it's not going. Yeah, it'll work, but not work as well. It's mm-hmm. more difficult, etc. So if you're like going back to the patience and perseverance, grieving through the suffering, finding peace, having that merry contentment, all of those things will kind of loosen some of this negative 
uh, attitude, yeah. etc. So that then when you when you go to each of the baskets and you and you open the lid and, and you climb into that basket or you look down that basket, you actually will be more. Free. Oh, I do really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and so, anyways, but so it's important that you have these baskets memorized. Um, whatever label you want to give it, give them, and then and then a number of the different eggs or rocks or or candies or what, whatever you know phrase you want to use, but the different things within those baskets, and and then now you've got all these resources. So there might be like, like let's say there's like two or three in the God basket that always bring you joy, and then there's like one in the community basket and like two in the spices, and those will always bring you joy. Those are always your go-to ones. There's others that will be kind of seasonal, you mm-hmm. know, or for time, or they get stronger or weaker in the amount of joy that they trigger. Um, but you got you, but you have all that diversity. You have all these options to to go to, and so so that's really the practical application of this um, is that. The I guess I really can't emphasize enough the grieving, the peace, the patience, the perseverance, the contentment, um, uh, knowledge, mm-hmm. and understanding and wisdom. These are all things that probably need to come first because um, then it'll free you up to really just like like a kid in a candy store or you know on Christmas morning and you're like, oh, I get to come to the baskets. This is amazing, right? And, and it really can put you in an amazing mood. And not to say, by the way, you can't go to these baskets without doing all those things first. Mm-hmm. They just seem to help. And as they become a stronger, more consistent default for you, then it's easier to do this. Yeah, because this does go back to, we've referred to this a couple different times, the cyclical the cyclical nature of all of these different topics. And so mm-hmm. as you have all of this peace and patience and uh, all of those through this year, it's going to help you with joy, which is going to help you with those. And so you do have to start somewhere. Like you can't get all eight of those all at once. Um, but as you continue to grow in each of those different areas, it's going to help um, you grow in the other areas, which will help you grow in the area that you're trying to grow in. And it's, it can be overwhelming a lot of times to say oh man i need to have peace and joy and if you just listen to the last two episodes and you understand all the different things that that entails whoo like that there's a, there, a lot. i have a long long way to go but just recognize that the way to eat an elephant is a bite at a time you mm-hmm. don't have to do it all at once and it's god doesn't forward, ex- one step back yeah god yeah. doesn't expect you to do it all at once he's just excited that you are actually going on this process mm-hmm. um and that can actually allow you to be more successful in what you're trying to do. It's a baby step process. Mm-hmm. I think about some of the people that maybe end up listening to this podcast because they're wanting more joy in their life. Um, so they saw this topic and decided to go ahead and give it a listen. And so I hope that it's encouraging that we're not telling you, well, you just need to choose it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we're helping lay out all these different sources of joy, things that will trigger joy and happiness um, in these different baskets or categories. And then like practically how to kind of, you know, go, go pursue those. This may require you, by the way, let's say, let's say you don't really have any healthy community. Um, mm-hmm. like, hey, so I recognize that basket exists. I've never actually been in that basket then maybe there's some changes that you need to make, you know, and, and who you, and, and I realize easier said than done as an extrovert. I'm like, yeah, I'll just go make new friends. <laughs> um, as an introvert, it's a different, different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but there may be some changes that you need to make and be making in your life. Um, getting rid of some unhealthy, sinful spices like crack cocaine, um, or, uh, sex even, uh, if it's outside of, of the covenant of marriage, mm. um, it brings pleasure. It brings happiness, but God seems to want, it's a power. It's a one of his. I think one of his greatest gifts to us is sex, um, 
and but he wants to see like, hey guys trust me it's best if it's done you know this way mm-hmm. uh, but anyway so I, ho- I hope that um you're getting some practical you know kind of tangible advice so so those are oh the other thing i was gonna say was it helps to have an example like someone setting the example for you so can you think of anybody that does a really really good i would even say perfect job of spending time in all five of the baskets and so always being at a place of joy christ mm-hmm so what's interesting is when you go back to the gospels this would be cool to read through matthew mark luke and john uh and read it thinking about joy and just picking up on all the ways that Jesus experienced joy. Did he experience grief? Yes, he wept when, when Lazarus died. Um, did he experience some heaviness and trials? Yes, in the Garden of Gethsemane. We talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went fishing. He had kids play on his knee, ate a ton, turned water into wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you know, he, he was in the spices basket. Man, was he in the God basket with Abba, Papa with father just praying with him constantly Mm -hmm. um now transformation interesting thing there but as far as he grew in stature and favor among god Mm -hmm. and men um he did it pretty quickly so then he was the complete version um but then he marveled when others did it like the roman centurion Mm -hmm. or when the disciples sometimes got it um justice healing people when needed and 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 the miracles Mm-hmm. Um, the community with with uh, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus and then and the disciples and the core inner three Peter, James and John. So you look there and like, I never thought of this way before. He does go to all five of the baskets, and he knew the sixth one was coming because he's the king of that basket. Mm-hmm. That's his kingdom, which he talked about a lot. He talked so he goes to this is really cool. He goes to all five, and he talks a lot about the sixth. Yeah, that is really cool. So that, so he's a great example for us to kind of follow and so this whole like kind of docile hippie mad uh whatever jesus eh, may, may want to reboot your, your thinking of that um did he you know did he have his zeal and moments of anger yeah did he have the moments of grief and sadness yeah but he was always dipping into the joy baskets that's just that's just really cool mm-hmm. anyways so so that is some of the details and nuances so then when we you know we do these the the we ask, so what is the definition? What's some of the details and nuances? That third question we ask is, so what are the benefits? And, and we're going to find that this one, like with a lot of others, the joy is its own benefit. Mm-hmm. So um, side note, if, if this is the first one you, you're listening to, it was important for us when we do, anytime we do an unpacking concept, that, that the first question is, all right, given everything we study, what's the biblical definition of this concept? And then second, what are all the, well, what are some, if not all, of the details and nuances that we found in Scripture about this concept, really kind of getting under the hood? Um, and then third, what's a motivation to pursue this? A lot of what we do in Christianity is out of obligation. Mm-hmm. And while we are obligated because he's our creator, God, there's also a motivation element to it. That God, God loves to say, do this so that this will happen. Um, and he wants to motivate you. And so, like, for example, patience uh, and perseverance, not a, a fun thing. You know, the short answer is to let the bad happen to you. <laughs> uh, who wants to do that? But then we saw tons of motivation, tons of benefits that come if one pursues patience and perseverance. Uh, humility, kneeling before God in adoration. Adoration is pretty straightforward, but like submission, 
we don't always want to do that. But then we see all the benefits that come from humility, you're more likely to do it. And then mm -hmm. other ones like peace and joy, those are kind of duh. Well, you don't need to persuade me. Of course I want that. Um, but we did find some benefits beyond just the benefit of being joyful and happy. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to list those out for you. So one of them is, um, so, so what are the benefits or the results of joy? If you're pursuing this, what's going to happen? One is thankful praise. So this is actually a benefit for God. Um, because you're thankful and you're, you're thanking him or you're thanking others that, you know, contributed and gave you some money or whatever. But that thankful um, praise and acknowledgement is a benefit to those that were offering it. Mm -hmm. And then also another result of joy can be increased faith. And with this, it reminded me of a Peanuts comic that I saw. And it's... Um, Lucy and I don't remember the other person but they were sitting outside and it's raining and um, she says look at it rain what if it floods the whole world and he says it's not going to do that in the ninth chapter of Genesis God promised Noah that he would never flood the whole world the whole world again and Lucy says you've great in a You've taken a great deal off a great load off my mind. He said sound theology has a way of doing that. <laughs> Just this idea that as we actually uh, increase our faith and we learn more about who God is, we figure out how he works and how he has worked and how that fits in with his nature. And it does just result in this bounding joy as we figure out who he is and what he's all about. And then another benefit, and we've referenced this several times now, is strength and endurance. So we've mentioned the verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What's fascinating is joy almost becomes like a fuel or an energy or a vibrancy. And that, that energy flowing through you, that fuel to your system, the vibrancy just makes you strong mm. and, and resilient. So strong in the sense of like uh, uh, an, an offense that you can accomplish things. Also in resilience and like a defense that you can resist things, the strength and endurance. It's really powerful. And so, so for example, when you're joyful, you're in a pretty good place. Mm. You're less tempted by sin because sin is pleasing. And so why do you do this then to get some form of pleasure or happiness? But if you're already content. happy yeah. and content and full of exhilarated joy because of these other things in the other baskets, you don't even feel the need to turn to them. So like, for example, there's times when like, you know, I can feel temptation, let's say like lust coming on. Um, oh, this is a website. I, I want to go. I want to go back and visit. I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go down that path again. You know, um, I, I might say, Lord, like, you know, give me the strength to resist but at that point, I don't even want to resist, right? Because I know the pleasure that it can bring. And it brings detriment and prevention of good. I mean, you know, go back to the sin study. But I, I found a tactic to be like, ooh, Lord, show me some other things that, that I, I get really excited about. Mm -hmm. um, and then I start thinking on those things and experiencing those things, and I get in a good mood. I'm like, oh, I'm in a good mood. I don't need to turn to that. So it's cool. It's just, it's just really cool. Yeah. So cool. what's fascinating with this is Psalm 51, which we, we've referenced a bunch of times. Psalm 51 is a great way to explain how you should respond after you sin. So David does this after Bathsheba and Uriah and all that. And so there's kind of three things that you're supposed to do. Um, and we love this, and we talk about this in, in the sin study. Connor uh, references this one a lot. And anyways, the first thing is you need to grievingly acknowledge. So to acknowledge means to admit that you did it. And, then, and this goes back to the sin definition, which is what? Uh, primarily a turning from God and secondarily turning from God and his beneficial things and secondarily to something else. Yeah. So you just need to acknowledge that you did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I turned from him or his benefits and I turned to something else outside his parameters. 
and, and it needs to grieve you, not the self condemnation, yeah. um, not uh, uh, shame or guilt, but grief. Uh, it needs to bother you a little bit that you did that. And so step one is to grievingly acknowledge it. Step two is just to receive his utter love and forgiveness. Uh, David says, you know, um, blot this out, remove this from my record. God's like, all right, I will. That's what I do. That's what the cross accomplished. <laughs> and so understand that he's love you. he loves you. He delights in you. He's that shalom, 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 right? All these things were good, son. It's forgiven. It's erased. We don't have to dwell on it. I wanted you to admit it. You did. We're good. Let's move on. Um, and, and allow yourself to realize it is off my record. It has been blotted out, erased, and remembered no more. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. I don't have to give an account for it anymore. God did that. Mm. And just let yourself realize how amazing that is. Um, and then third, Paul said, or excuse me, Paul, David says, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because he knew that he was weak when he did that, when he killed Uriah and, and slept with Bathsheba. Um, and so he says, renew that steadfast spirit within me. So he's like, all right, so I've grievingly acknowledged it. I did it. I sinned against you. It bothers me. Take it off my record, which I know you are, because I know you love me and you're faithful. That's awesome. So now I'm free with that. And so now we can get to the matter at hand. Let's renew this steadfast spirit within me so that I'm ready for the next round. I'm not going to dwell on the sin I just did. I grievingly acknowledge it. It's done. Now I'm going to prepare to resist the next round of temptation <laughs> that comes my way. Um, and so, so Lord, help me renew that steadfast spirit. We know from Galatians 5, you need to be walking in step with the spirit. We know from 2 Peter 1 that you need to add to your faith, goodness, and goodness, knowledge. And you know, it goes on through the whole list there. So there's all these practical ways that you can do that. David mentions two items in there after renewing the steadfast spirit. There's many, but he mentions two. One is wisdom, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, wisdom is that skillful governance, is that deep understanding. And so if you had a deep understanding of why did you do that, what should you have done, what should you do next time, how can you go about doing that, and have that skillful governance of resisting sin, duh. So wisdom goes a long way in renewing a steadfast spirit. The other thing he mentions is joy. Hmm. And at first it's like that's a weird thing. I wouldn't... Joy would not be one of the things I immediately think of after I sin. If anything, because, because of penance, because I have to punish myself, I can't allow myself to have joy because that would mean like I'm not really bothered by the sin. No, you were bothered by it because you grievingly acknowledged it. But then it's off your record. It's done. You don't need to focus on it anymore. Now go get joy. Why? Because joy is going to give you the strength along with the wisdom to resist the next round. So it sounds super contrary but what you and I both have really appreciated is realizing that when you sin and you come before God and you're grieving the acknowledgement and then he takes it off the record, son, daughter, we're good. It's forgiven. We're good. So now let's renew that steadfast spirit for the next round. Let's give you all that wisdom and let's get back to joy. Oh, why? Because it's going to yeah. give you the strength to resist the sin and, 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 and you won't even be as tempted by it. So one of the things, one of the most important things you should be pursuing right after you sin is joy. Hmm. How counter is that? At least the way I've always thought, because um, I was you know, guilty or whatever. But now it makes sense to me, and now I'm embracing it. And so now I'm learning after I fall into some sin and, and I come to God, I immediately start. Well, first of all, if I'm already coming to him, I'm already in the God basket. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, but then I can get to the transformation basket or the justice basket or community, go back with somebody else, let iron sharpen iron in an encouraging, restorative way, not a condemning way. Um, go, go do a spice of life. 
again, non-sinning, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a healthy, God-given spice of life. Um, but do go to go to one or more baskets and get some joy. It's it, and the enemy's going to come at you, and the enemy's going to say, "Nope, you don't deserve this. You just sinned." And so, because you sinned, you you you're not allowed to go to the joy baskets for three days. Screw you, Satan. Screw you, whatever demon that's, that's whispering to that. I'm not listening to that. Um, I can't be unrepentant of my sin yeah. and trying to, to, to d- dabble in the, in the joy. Um, but once I repent of it, that's exactly where I'm headed. Because that's the kind of life our God wants us to live. And it's interesting because the way that you just described, it seems like you're just minimizing sin and it's not a big deal. But what it actually does is it actually allows you to move past the sin to the next round, like you were just saying. Like it actually enables you to progress. Because a lot of times what this self-condemnation and guilt, it's focused on us and it's focused on the sin that we just committed. But what joy and turning to the Lord and repenting and the just the different things that David lays out in Psalm 51, what that actually accomplishes is preparing us for the next time. And so we're already looking forward. Hebrews 12, 1, fixes your fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Philippians 4, forgetting what's behind and pushing forward to what's ahead. Romans we, 8, 1, no condemnation. Yeah, we see this all throughout Scripture. And yet when we hear that all laid out, that what we need to do is we need to actually uh, grievingly acknowledge our sin, turn from it, and turn to joy. Immediately we try and back off. But we do once we actually come to the place that we recognize that, it becomes so powerful because it actually enables us to change. Do you think there's people who think that they have to earn joy? Probably. That you can, you know, you're not, it's, yeah. a, it's a reward only if you're being obedient. And while it is a reward, if you're being obedient, it's not, not the only thing. Mm-hmm. It's actually a gift from God. It's actually, okay. So this goes back to Paul's command. Rejoice always. So remember how, you know, he says, pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten more into the details of Scripture, the Bible says what it means and means what it says. You know, Mister always says, "Oh, he says pray without ceasing." What does that look like? That must mean either twenty four seven I have to do our Father who art in heaven, which doesn't seem to be the case, or prayer is something different than I realized. So when I got to that, prayer was that two way walkie talkie conversation with God. Now I understand what he means when he says pray without ceasing. That's something we should be striving for. Mm-hmm. Um, so then this rejoice always. Am I supposed to always be happy? To some extent, yes. Will will we will that happen? No, yeah. <laughs> right? Because we're in this broken prologue. But it's what you're striving for. And so mm-hmm. the idea is rejoice always. You should always be spending time in those five baskets, thinking on and experiencing all the different things within those baskets that will trigger joy and happiness in you, which in itself is its own benefit with all these other benefits as well. And so you should be striving to actually continually be experiencing joy and happiness because at the very least, if, if the other four baskets are empty for some reason, you always have the God basket. And, it's, and, and I wouldn't say any of the other baskets are ever totally empty. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have one or two you know, uh, breadcrumbs in there at the very least, but yeah. you always have the God basket. Anyways, so so continuing on with benefits. Yeah, so another result of joy is uh, we have the ability to give freely and abundantly. And in 2 Corinthians 9-7, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. 
And what that word cheerful means there is to give with hilarity. Like it's just this mm. idea that we're ge- just bounding joy. It's not um, begrudging. It's not out of obligation. It's actually just recognizing that all of our finances are stewardship. It's all an issue of stewardship because it's all given to us by God. And so what we need to do is we need to recognize that it's not our money and we need to decide how much of our money we're going to give. We need to recognize that God has given us this money to steward and we need to be generous with how we actually do that and joy is one of the primary ways that we're actually enabled to do that so so what we found was joy actually triggers generosity Mm -hmm. so once you're spending time in these baskets and you're experiencing more happiness and joy it'll free you up like where you're just going to want to give so for example Let's say you, you've been feeling convicted about God's wanting, to, wanting you to give more, to be a better steward of the resources he's given you, and he wants you to tithe or give to the church or ministry or help somebody with paying their bill or whatever mm-hmm. it may, may be, and you're feeling that, that conviction that you need to do it, and you're just fighting it because you're afraid that you're going to need the money for something else or, what, or they, they need to earn it themselves or whatever your, your line of reasoning is. Instead of just forcing yourself to become generous... What you should do is is really start pursuing more joy because then that'll free you up to be more generous. But also, to get more joy, it seems you need to be doing patience and peace and yeah. contentment and all those. So this this goes back to that the Christian life is a baby step thing. So if you're feeling convicted to give, to some extent, maybe if, if you're feeling the super huge pressure, give right now. But long that's, that's out of the obligation. But long term, be finding more peace and patience and contentment and all that stuff, which will then help you to experience more of these baskets of joy, which will then make it more likely for you to give. Right. And I have found again and again and again um, in Christian living, there's usually a chain of events Mm -hmm. or some step by step process. And and that chain or, or order of the steps may vary from person to person, situation to situation, but there's usually some order of steps that need to occur, And but they read some article or listen to a sermon or something like that where the, 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 the message is, just go do it, hmm. and they don't know how, or if you break it down into the step-by-step process, it becomes a little easier. Yeah, and one other just personal note on giving generously, this is really easy to say and much more difficult to actually do. Because yeah. just the phase of life that I'm in right now, um, my wife graduated from school a couple months ago, and so we have to start paying her student loans, and I'm starting grad school that we're going to have to pay for, and we both have entry-level jobs. And there's just, when I look at my finances, there's not a lot of margin. And this is still something that I know that I personally need to be better at actually applying and recognizing the things that I just said. And so I do just want to be transparent and say, this is easy to say Mm -hmm. because I just said all of these things, but I'm not actually actively doing them right now. And so we do want to, like, I just want to personally recognize that and just allow myself to be challenged to actually give with this as my motivation. Yeah. So thanks for your honesty on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll follow up with you uh, in a month or so to see how that's going. Right? <laughs> I appreciate it. So, and then, and then one other uh, benefit that we had listed from the study was uh, a contagious replication. Mm-hmm. And we wrote this, kind of, it's joy begets joy. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're full of joy, it tends to spread. 
um, and you can be a source of joy for others. So we have this little phrase, joy is an uncontainable emotion that manifests itself vibrantly, shifting the atmosphere. I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. So I, I love the, the definition of what it is, and I, and I love this statement here. It goes back to the Malachi 4.2. If you revere the Lord, you'll leap like a calf released from the stall, right? Um, and then if you're leaping like a calf released from the stall, you're going to get the other calves going, you know, uh, a ghost or another dog gets happy, starts shaking their butt a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just spreads. When, when you know, they, they've done studies when an adult leans in close to a baby and smiles, the baby, even though the brain is still forming, knows that's a good thing, and it triggers uh, like euphoria in the baby. And that's why the baby smiles. Yeah, um, there's just a bunch of cool stuff with all that. Anyways, and so so knowing that that joy is this uncontainable emotion that manifests itself vibrantly, shifting the atmosphere. We don't see that a lot, which tells you how little the church actually experiences joy. Hmm. We probably talk about it more than we actually experience it. Um, and again, we're probably talking more about peace or faith uh, when, we, when we say the word joy. Joy is this vibrant exhilaration that shifts the atmosphere. And you see, like, for example, my church, whenever we do um, baptisms, uh, people in our church really like it. And so they actually start screaming and shouting and applauding when the person comes up from the water and it gets you all choked up and emotional and fired up when you, when you hear it, you know? So we, so we have those moments. It's, 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 it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would love to see, you know, individual Christians experiencing joy more and then corporately in a community also, because think about right now in, in our society, we're becoming the enemy, um, partly because of the mistakes we're making, partly because the world doesn't understand us. Um, but imagine if we were a source, source of joy mm-hmm. and, and a refuge uh, for the lost and for those that turn to drugs or sex or whatever it may be to try to find some happiness because they're not finding it in the church. Ooh, mm-hmm. well, that's, that's problematic, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I know I don't have control over the church as a whole. I, I have just control over me. So I, that's where I'm in my, my life right now. And the last number of years has been that patience piece. Um, and now last year or so trying to move more into that joy piece um, because I want people to not feel like they have to walk on eggshells if they make a mistake around Shannon um, or he's easily offended or easily irritated or whatever but that like oh I love I love whenever he comes around because he's just in a good mood Um, and it's not just because of his personality though because he does struggle with irritation and frustration and all that but he's he's intentional in going in those baskets that he always talks about Mm -hmm. and that just encourages me makes me want to go in the baskets right Um, and so this is beneficial for you in all these ways beneficial for god puts a smile on, on his face and then it's it's beneficial for others and it, you know it can be contagious for them so i really like that the the last thing i have in my notes then is the kind of the inverse of what is there no long lasting um healthy delight or joy in so what are the things that can either hinder joy we talked about some of them already mm-hmm. um or things that offer an unhealthy joy um, so one of them is the shrinking of your faith. And so we found uh, a correlation between the less that you're trusting of God, the less joy you're going to have in your life. Yeah, and also just sin, like we've been talking about. It will give you that temporary pleasure, but its next uh, effect that it's going to have on you is really robbing you of joy, which is why we have to seek it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Um, and then with that idolatry, so as, as something becomes 
the utmost important thing to you, you're not going to look at any of these other baskets because you're only looking on that one thing. And then you're cheating yourself out of all the joy that those other things in the other baskets can bring. Mm -hmm. And also hollow or tainted sacrifice. And I would even add to this, um, just trying to manufacture a lot of the fruit of the spirit in our own strength. Like mm-hmm. just coming up with these cheap imitations of something that we could be getting if we were just walking in step with the Spirit. Um, uh, war. Well, actually, some of the verses talked about there's no joy in war. War is going to uh, hinder joy. Mm-hmm. And then also the destruction of others. And so this actually includes evildoers. There's a uh, the verse that talks about God does not delight in the death of the wicked. So it's Ezekiel 33, 11. Mm-hmm. I do not take delight in the death of the wicked. Which can be just so contrary to, um, because when I think of evildoers, I think, man, it would be great if we could just get rid of the people that are doing wrong in the world. And that's not the mindset of God. Mm -mm. He is too focused on bringing them to himself and trying to restore them and get them to the place that they need to be in that he does not want to just take the easy way out, remove them from the chessboard. He goes through all of the discipline and punishment things that we've talked about in previous podcasts and just all of these different factors because he does not take delight in the death of the wicked. (laughs) Yeah, because he says in that passage, for I'd rather they would come to repentance. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I know I picture... Like at Judgment Day, there might be some Christians that as the those that have rebelled against God and rejected him, they don't get eternal life. They don't get to go into, into the kingdom because they rejected the king. Right? That was mm-hmm. the, one, the one rule, the one requirement that was given. Um, and so they're thrown into the lake of fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, I feel like there's going to be some Christians that as that's happening, they're, go- they're going to be wanting to do the na-na-na-na, hey-hey-hey, goodbye chant. Mm-hmm. You know, screw you guys. You, that's what you deserve. Glad, good riddance of you, etc. And they're going to be cheering the fact that these rebels finally got what they deserved, and they're thrown in the lake of fire. And they're going to be cheering it, and they're going to look over at, at the triune, self-existent Creator God, who's going to have tears streaming down his face. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted the whole world to come to repentance. I wanted the whole world to believe me. I wanted the whole world to spend an mm-hmm. eternity with me in this heaven. I did put a requirement down. He, Jesus is the, my son is the king of, of heaven. You have to acknowledge that he's the king if you want to go to that kingdom. Um, and you didn't. You refused to. I wish you would have, and you didn't. And so he doesn't take delight in any of that. Uh, it's the saddest day for him. And I think about that, and so it changes my attitude towards non-believers mm-hmm. you know i don't i don't want to get rid of them i want to change them but i can't change them if i'm not changing myself first and taking the plank out of my own eye you know and all that so that is all of our uh notes on on joy um getting into like is there anything else that you'd, you'd want to add i don't think so no so getting into like final, um, what's the big implication or, or takeaway uh, for this, uh, for the listener or for us, the first thing I'll say is there's a, you mentioned uh, peanuts, there's a far side, one of my favorite far sides, there's three that I really like. There's One is the kid pushing on the door that says pull, and it's at the school for the gifted. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's, that's number three. Um, number two is... It's a playground, and there's a slide, and there's these two spiders that have built a web across the bottom of the slide. 
And one says to the other, if we pull this off, we'll eat like kings. <laughs> and then my, my all-time favorite far side is it's in hell, and there's these two demons that are like like overlooking um, all these humans that are being punished in hell, and, and, and they're doing all this backbreaking labor, and it's, you know, it's hot, it's horrible, et cetera. And there's like, you know, maybe 30 humans in this cave room, and as they're watching them, you know, kind of with a whip and everything. And one of the humans, his job is to carry this big wheelbarrow full of rocks, just like back and forth across the room. And as he's doing it, he's just whistling, right? Mm. He's just singing a little tune, just enjoying himself, making the most of it, you know, et cetera. And one demon says to the other, I, I don't think we're getting through to that guy, <laughs> you know? And, and obviously, I don't think that that's going to happen in hell. He's yeah. the weeping and gnashing of teeth. But um, I love that attitude, even like in this life. Yeah. That the enemy, our spiritual enemy, other humans around us are going to do things that, that can make us miserable. But we can choose to think on those baskets and think on those things that trigger joy and get joy and happiness and whistle while we work uh, and rise above all that. And, and to me, that's one of the ways to be salt and light, stars shining in a hill. Even Paul talks about in the Philippians there, do everything without complaint so that you can shine like stars in the universe. Um, and so you're, you're rejoicing, you're excited, uh, the passion, again, expressing that however your, your personality is to, to outside your comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. Anyways, I love this. I love everything about joy. I love that, that there's all, a ton of different ways that we can find joy, always at our disposal, especially the God basket one. There's this coming heaven, the fulfillment of all of it. So, so I love that, that joy exists. I love all the different ways you can get joy. And then I love all the benefits that come from it. Probably two of my favorites are the strength one. Mm -hmm. And then that last one with the quote, that the contagious replication and it shifts the atmosphere. So this has even been a good reminder for me, even recording the study of just that that's the path that I'm on, that I want to have this little spring in my step. I've talked about um, uh, an easygoing intentionality mm -hmm. uh, and kind of with that, just this, this joyfulness. Uh, and just being in that, that good, happy mood, um, even in the midst of when bad things occur, um, because that's, that strength for me you can shift others, uh, et cetera. So it's just a cool picture. And that's, that's yeah. kind of my, my takeaway implications and, and, and takeaways, uh, from, and that, of course the application is knowing the baskets and spreading the wealth and spending time in all the baskets. Yeah. You? And one thing that uh, just as you were describing that contagious replication, just this mental picture I got is as believers, we should glow. Yes. There's a lot of yes. different things that make up that glow. Uh, love is obviously a big component of it. But joy is just such another component because even I've had the opportunity the last couple months to work um, in just a much different environment than I normally have been in. And pretty much all around me is unbelievers. And I've gotten the comment from a number of different people that just look at me and they've said, why are, like, why are you always so happy? Like I, mm. whenever I see you, you're smiling. And there's elements of my job that I don't necessarily enjoy and all the rest, but just people actually do notice when you're actively trying to display the joy that we can have that comes from thinking on these different things. And it really does make a difference. And so that was just one aspect of it. But also, I really liked in the definition where you talked about how joy takes place in the mind, heart, and body. And so it's the sowing cognitively, reaping emotionally, and celebrating mm -hmm. actively. Just 
how pervasive joy needs to be in my life. Like it's not just this intellectual, um, like, okay, I need to think on these things and I need to, and so then I can have joy. Like it really is, it affects every aspect of who I am. And it, it just is, I think a lot more powerful than I give it credit for a lot of times. Mm. Like I just see joy as, or I have seen joy as just this like emotion that I'm supposed to feel that's hard a lot of times, especially when things aren't going the way that I think they should due to expectations and lack of contentment. But it really should just be this impactful, all-encompassing outpouring of what God's done for me and who he is. Like, it, there's just this bigness to what joy actually should be. Mm-hmm. That is something that I want to recognize in my life. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you mentioned earlier how, how this is going to be difficult. So, for example, I have friends that their personalities are more like just kind of happy personalities. Mm-hmm. And what I would say to them is don't settle for just that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that is kind of your default wiring or personality, that doesn't mean that you don't need all these baskets because you're just a happy person. I would say still pursue this whole basket type thing because it could probably add another whole layer of depth and height to your joy. And then I've got friends that are just more naturally pissy people, uh, the uh, glasses half empty, you know, more pessimistic, etc. This is definitely going to be an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to encourage them. We're not saying you have to be this cheesy cheerleader, you know, uh, type. Um, but you can't use the excuse of, well, I'm not wired for that. Yeah. Um, that rejoice always is commanded to all believers, regardless of their personality. And so, yes, this one is going to be a much more uphill battle for you because of the expectations and other things. Um, but continue to strive for it because then when you achieve, it's going to be even more powerful. And know that that, that that happy person where this is a little bit easier, they've got something else that they mm-hmm. really struggle with that you're really good at. Mm-hmm. right? And everybody's different uh, uh, in that way. Um, so the last thing then is, is I just want to end with going back to that last basket of heaven. We, we'd put it in the notes, um, some, of the, some of the components to that, where it's the marriage of the lamb and the bride. It's the full restoration of creation and people. It's the triumph of good and the elimination of evil. It's truer rewards and treasure f- uh, for the good and faithful servants. Um, that's, you know, it's, it's seeing God face to face and not, not in that mirror darkly, um, and no sin, no, no tears. Um, the baskets will be full. Like we won't even know what to do with it all. Mm. You know, um, heaven is legit. I know I keep saying that, but I keep wanting to emphasize, I want people to start thinking more about heaven. It is the culmination of all that joy. And so even if the baskets are somewhat empty or somewhat thin or threadbare um, for you, given the circumstances that you have in life, um, you find what you can mm-hmm. uh, and then know that you're coming to a culmination and, and you're going to just you know be, be, be blown away by all that. So. So hopefully this this was encouraging uh, uh, for you guys. So so that's it for this this study. We've only got two more episodes left. So the next one is going to be uh, power and strength, and we're going to get into biblically what is what is divine power and, and how can we apply etc. And then and then one more after that, and then we'll kind of finish season three. And we'll we'll talk about about that uh, uh, more later. So we'll see you guys for the uh, the next episode. And thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.